Yes, sir. Time to crank up the big, the bottles, and the boom shakalakas, baby. I am the captain. We are the sports brew. We're throwing down on another mighty Monday, man. After what has been an absolutely incredible open to March Madness. Look, if you're a fan of one of the teams that took it in the chin, I know there's a lot of pain there. Looking at you, UVA, in particular. I know there's a lot of pain there, but man... As a basketball fan, looking objectively, taking like specific fan team rooting out of it, that was an incredible, incredible couple of rounds out of the gate. Uh, We'll see how that sets up for the Sweet 16, the Final Four, and so on and so forth. But yeah, this, (laughs) what a great example of why people love March Madness. They may not love their brackets after that first weekend, but they love March Madness. That was a lot of fun. That was so much fun, and I hope that uh, I hope that everybody out there listening super enjoyed that. <laughs> Again, unless one of your teams took it in the chin, then I know it's kind of a bitter pill. And speaking of bitter pills, I guess here's one raising a glass to the end of the Tar Heel season. And uh, I got to admit, as one of the few Duke fans where I work, you know, I'm pretty tolerant, and I kind of laugh. I have a good time with all the UNC fans, and they were sending me all kinds of like hate memes, man, hating Duke. Rat face Coach K. You know what I heard today? That's right. Just like that sound of silence, that's what it was. Nothing. Heard a big bag of zero. Uh, I do have some, you know, I sympathize, I empathize, and all that stuff with you. I do, I do, I do. Duke's been there. Plenty of teams I liked have been there and got taken out. Um, but kudos to Texas A&M, man. Woo! Dropping the hammer on, dropping the hammer on UNC. It was ridiculous. I certainly, uh, I don't know. I thought maybe they'd be a Final Four team in between Michigan and North Carolina coming out of that region. But either way, just an incredible open, a lot of fun, uh, good times. And I think it sets up for us to have a pretty compelling uh, Sweet 16. And Shannon, I will say one thing, man. You know, we joked around it before. I know Coach Cal wasn't necessarily thrilled with the seating, but you can't <laughs> complain about that region now. Can you? Can nah. you? I mean, nothing, man. Nothing. <laughs> but you know what? I think I think Kentucky, dude, they have to be like, who am I? That's right. We're ready now, man. Lock and load, baby. One through four Damn out it. of there. Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't this like the first time like that one through four are out of the way in the opening that weekend? Is correct, yes. And that, oh, my God. What it a is deal. The first time ever since they've had the brackets that the top four seeds in a single region are gone ridiculous ridiculous it's absurd it's 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 just ridiculous how it, that region has just opened up for them and they're going to catlanta uh and you can i can already tell you that place is going to be 75 80 percent kentucky it is right down uh i-75 man and that place is going to be all blue i can promise you that that's right, man. <laughs> Woo! What else is going on, McGuffin? Dude, I OD'd on some basketball this weekend. I'm not going <laughs> to lie, man. I watched so much basketball, and it was great. And mm-hmm. my wife and kids, for the most part, left me alone. Uh, my best friend from Kentucky, he drove up for a, for the night Saturday night. We got to watch nice. the Kentucky game. Um, he went racing today, but... Um, yeah, it was great, man. Just I got to watch a shit ton of basketball and enjoy myself and be a freaking man in a house full of women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell me how you really feel, buddy. Hey, yeah. Man. Come after me. 
I'm a man. I'm 40. That's right, coach. Tell him. You said <laughs> balls. That's not your mother. It's a man, baby. Woo! <laughs> anyway. And you know what? what? I got to watch it live. Oh, wow. Look at you out of the gate. You're just like, let me get some references. Do it live, baby. I can't do it. <laughs> we'll do it live. Okay. We'll do it live. Fuck it! <laughs> do it live! I'll write it and we'll do it live! My bracket. This fucking thing sucks! That's right, yeah. Bill O'Reilly. That's what he's mad about. His bracket sucks, man. That, that's what it was. That's what it was. Oh, I, actually, a lot of people in bracket pools, man. <laughs> a lot of people in bracket pools, man. Oh, that's, that's tough sledding, dude. Tough sledding. I'm, I'm sure I'll, you know, I did different bracket pools and, you know, different groups, certainly the sports brew group and then my work group and then just other ones just for, you know, ished and giggles, as they say. And I think every single one is just, it, it just looks like a, like a test you didn't study for. And it's just like, X, 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 X. I mean, it's ugly, super ugly. But again, you know, hey, it was like me in high school. Uh, well, like elementary school, middle school, high school, college, anything that was education related. It's like Jim Rome in the jungle. Oh, yeah, it's like one gigantic bag of. There it is. <laughs> nah, we're just teasing. Oh man, yeah, that was rough though. Rough though. Look, look, Whitfield's all talking. Man, what are we gonna bring him in into? Hmm. Let me think about that for a second. Let me think about that for a second. We already—I thought we. This was pre-decided. Well, I might come back to that. Randy, what's up, brother? You with your Syracuse orange? Got that? Got that banner or that flag or that poster or something up with an orange in the background, man? What's up, bro? Uh, not much. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy to even think that I'm going. Yep, we're screwed. Yep, we're screwed. Great. Yeah, we're in the great. We're in a great freaking. Uh, I know. Here, this is great. <laughs> And it's funny though. I look at my bracket. There's so much red and green. You think it's Christmas on there? I mean, good freaking <laughs> lord! <laughs> I'm like, what the hell? Granted, my 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 championship team is still out there, so I still have a shot at least getting that right. Uh, who did you pick to win it all? Villanova. Villanova, which is which is a good pick. I th I'd, I'd love to see the uh, bracket breakdown of how many people took Villanova. I'm sure they're uh, a fairly popular pick, but. You're still alive. I don't know who you had in the other yeah. half of your, you know, championship game, but we'll the other half was UVA, so we all know. Yeah, well, that one's that done. Went. That one's done. <laughs> <laughs> that one's done. The, look, the only thing to do it on the UVA campus, man. They're streaking along and taking shots, dude. What? What else do they have to look forward to? You know what I'm saying? Done, done. And I feel, I feel bad for Tony Bennett, man, and the and those players because they they absolutely got. They just took it in the chin, dude. They took it in the chance. And I, I'll say this, and we'll talk more about the UVA-UMBC game. There was a point in that game, about, like, in the second half, and, like, I was super impressed with how UMBC was just hitting uh, was just hitting shots, man. I was like, they just kept getting things to fall. It was nuts. But there was a point in the second half where you're like, this is going to happen. And, mm -hmm. you know, you're like, oh, oh, my God. And, I mean, Twitter went bananas. Our sports group chat went bananas. I woke up the wife. Of course, she's from Charlottesville. And I said, go back to sleep. You just don't want to know what's happening. You don't want to watch it. Just go back to sleep. I'm sorry I woke you up. Um, I mean, just a, just, a, just a mess. But I was super disappointed. At some point, it almost looked like that team had quit. And of all the things you could have told me, it's one thing to lose 
Uh, but to lose the by the number of points that they did, and the, and to just be as ineffective as they were late in that game, and and just to look disinterested in some capacities, just a total breakdown. That team got in their heads, and the pressure of the oh moment got in their heads, and it, it, it's a shame because they're better than that. But you know, that's the one thing. You know, we talk about one and dones in college basketball, and typically we're talking about players, you know, doing a one season of good, trying to go to the NBA, but the tournament. I mean, that's a one and done deal, man. And if you yeah. have a down game and you play somebody that has a up an up game, especially if they shoot like UMBC did, I mean, my God, you know, not likely you're going to lose. And UVA did. They, that was a you know of all the times to play a game like that and to go against an opponent like that that was just on fire. I mean, they just the pressure of the moment. It was just clear it got to them, and I'm just surprised. I'm just really surprised at that. But uh, we'll obviously spend some time talking about that game and, and certainly Loyola. The, their run is pretty fantastic. And just a, a, lot of fan, a lot of great, great moments. Big-time shots you know, with Michigan. I mean, you can start naming off teams that just did fantastic. Nevada. Uh, I mean, Texas A&M with, with some, you know, blowing out UNC. I mean, you can just start running through. There's, every single day there was something ridiculous that happened or something fantastic that happened. Or a, just a, a, an incredible shot, or somebody breaking a better's heart. <laughs> um, there was one game in particular. I'll have to look it up, but uh, it just so much happened. And again, that's why we love the opening weekend of March Madness. But anyway, I did uh, Whitfield. I found your song, so here you go. Because we call it a Mighty Monday, but I think for you, we'll go Manic Monday. <laughs> What's up, bro? Nothing much. Nothing much. <laughs> Enjoying my brackets. Yeah, I'm sure your brackets are lovely. I have a lot of a lot of green left. I don't know that I believe this. <laughs> I'm not a buyer of this. Well, no. I think I said I got seven of the sixteen, and I've got four of the uh, three of the four uh, final four left. Right? Yeah. I mean, so if you don't have them right, we're not even to the final four, bro. See, <laughs> this is why he was filming those classes in high school, man. <laughs> this is why. No, well, I, you know, in one of my brackets, I have Purdue, Duke, UVA, and Michigan. So, I mean, UVA is obviously gone, but at least in that one, I've got some hope, a glimmer of hope left. But anyway, um, no, it's good to see you. I know you haven't been on for a, a, a little bit. Uh, obviously, there's a late nights for you and your work schedule. So it's good to see you uh, for a few and catch up a little bit. I'd ask you this, because we're going to get into the tournament stuff, but from an NFL standpoint, how weird is it that Jordy Nelson is a freaking Raider? Dude, don't get me started on that. That's just well. I mean, I asked you. A, I asked well, you a I question, which means I want you to get started. As long as there's a good, a valid point there, it's just bizarre, dude. It's so weird. Well, so it weird. came down. I think Jordy's thirty-three, Devontae Adams is twenty-four. Well, they have wide receiver death in Green Bay. Well, yeah, essentially Devontae Adams is a younger version of what Jordy was about when he was about twenty-eight, twenty-nine years old. I think if you were to cut somebody, they should have cut uh, Randall mm-hmm. Cobb. Randall Cobb, his yeah. his contract, his cap hit was similar to uh, Jordy's. Well, and I th- if I remember correctly, they had to eat a little bit more with Jordy on um, as far as dead money. But I mean, I thought they should have gotten Randall. Like I said, was getting Randall, rid of Randall Cobb because they've got another Randall Cobb on the team, and that's uh, Montgomery. Yeah, but I mean, and that that's a fair point. I, I think part of that is just, you know, you, you go age, you go contract, 
and I don't he he hasn't been the same since the knee injury, uh, uh-huh. and maybe that maybe that's not fair to, to dump that on him, but if you're going to keep people, you keep the younger guys that have a little bit more upside and kind of roll forward. I mean, they do have good wide receiver depth in Green Bay, and obviously Aaron Rodgers is a pretty damn phenomenal quarterback. I wish him well with the Raiders. That's it, going to be really strange seeing him in silver and black. I mean, as soon as he got but, cut, first, my, first, my first thought was he's going to New England. Yeah, we talked about that. I, I thought that you know that was, that was everybody's thought. Yeah, man. That was like yeah. all of Twitter. They thought for sure he was going to New England and – I kind of like it because you've got Amari Cooper and then Jordy Nelson mm-hmm. on the Raiders as your top two. So, but I was talking to a Raiders fan tonight, and I said, "What do you expect out of Jordy and um, in Oakland?" He's like, "I don't know because I don't know what car we're going to get." Yeah, and that's a fair point too. But uh, I mean, I would expect that Jordy can come in and pick up whatever system they have and be a good team player. And you know, I kind of feel like this is like the uh, you know Dan Patrick has all those like white guy football players think like high motor and all that stuff. I kind of feel like that's Jordy Nelson like to a T. And it's kind of funny to laugh at, but I would expect him to pick up the system, be a good team player. He's going to contribute. I don't know if he's ever going to be what he was. But they've got a nice set of weapons, and if he can run good routes and be where he needs to be and help Carr be effective, they don't need him to you know be like 120 catches for 1500. Yards. They don't need hmm, him. just just be a good route runner. Be be a good route just runner. Have Carr put it on the butt. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. You know, play good ball. Um, play good ball, and you know, Uh-oh. hopefully he's yeah no. Hopefully he stays he stays healthy again. It's just it's just gonna be so weird. You said. Gonna be so Balls. weird to see him with that team. I, I thought that was a guy that was going to retire as a Packer. Same, um, but you know, oh, I think he'll go back and he'll retire. As a well, Packer. well, yeah, we didn't think but I mean, in another uniform, right? Oh, but, no, but I mean, no, like no, actually no. finish his career out uh, all the way in Green oh. Bay, and uh, clearly that's not going to be the case. I mean, he may go back at the end of his career; it's on a one-day deal or whatever to finish out there and you know, kind of tie it up. But uh, just going to be kind of strange. Um, I mean, I do like what they've done as far as I do like Jimmy Graham. If Jimmy Graham can stay healthy, and I, I do like Mo Wilkerson. No, they've had some decent signings. Yeah, they've had some decent signings. I mean, you know, we still have the draft to look forward to, and we're obviously past most of the A list stuff with free agency. But at least everyone want to kind of throw a little money out there. I think Jimmy Graham's going to get utilized more effectively in Green Bay than he was uh, in Seattle, and that's not a knock uh, against Seattle or Russell Wilson. But I think that. You know, uh, Wilson's Wilson's style and Aaron Rodgers, their styles are just different. You know, I love they're both phenomenal quarterbacks, but I think Jimmy Graham will be better utilized in Green Bay. And with no Jordy Nelson there, obviously there's a big the caveat here is can Aaron Rodgers stay healthy and stay on the field with that with the collarbone issues that he has. Uh, but uh, you know, Jimmy Graham could be primed to have just a phenomenal year. Uh, and quite yeah. frankly, they're going to need it in that division. <coughs> Well, I, feel, I don't know, like, if there's, like, a, a huff to hairball or something. <laughs> like, all of a sudden, I'm like, <laughs> I got the nose tickle. I got the cough hitting me. I don't know what happened with that. A little slap um, and tickle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah a little, tick, little tickle hey, up in hey, there. Hey, that's Friday. That's Friday. That's Friday. What, slap and tickle? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Taking taking Friday off. Taking Friday off, man. Uh, fifth anniversary. Uh, yeah, Happy fifth, anniversary, I know. Brother. Fifth wedding anniversary for uh, me and Sarah. It's weird. I can't believe it's been five years already. Um, but yeah, Can't taking Friday off, gonna have a three week. And if we're lucky, if we're lucky, maybe we're gonna get some snow days in here uh, this week, and maybe even early next. I will not complain about that 
at all. At all. Um, real quick, uh, and we'll obviously bounce back to the tournament. Uh, just out of curiosity, Shannon, what's your uh, reaction to the Jets and the Colts trade? Absolutely love it. Yeah? What do you, what are you hoping the Colts get out of this? Uh, just depth. Uh, whether it's building the offensive line or defensive line, they just there's just so much so many holes to fix mm-hmm. and you just kind of have to start either offensive line or defensive line just kind of build from the uh from the line out um you know you're you're good to go at quarterback if luck's not good not good to go with the shoulder you got jacoby Brissett. receiver wise you're going to be okay we just signed eric ebron as a tight end as a cheap two-year 50 man 15 million dollar deal but i mean he was a former first round pick so he's getting a fresh start yeah well i mean he was inconsistent in detroit but um do you think part of this was the reality that at the three hole they figured saquon barley was just not going to be there for them they figured the giants are going to take him so you move down or i mean i know a lot lot of people just i think you just add i don't even know if it's barkley dude because Mm -hmm. i think you can get value in the second and third round hello alvin kamara oh yeah definitely so I, I I don't think as as great as Barkley can be. I think mm-hmm. you need more draft picks than just one explosive player. Yeah, and you gotta build. You gotta build, man. You just you gotta have those building blocks, and you know like San Francisco did for a few years. Like even in one draft, they took two offensive linemen back to back, or where Dallas took offensive linemen in the first round. Dude, you just gotta build. Yeah, and you know you gotta protect those quarterbacks, and then. Once you get the line, either offense and defense, um, then you can kind of expand a little bit, maybe with the running backs. I mean, you've got se- several good running backs in this draft, and uh, yeah, this, this, some- this sounds like the kind of year where you can there, there's there's a lot of running back depth, uh, you know, in, in the first and second particularly. So you don't Absolutely. have to com- you don't have to commit that high uh, for them. I mean, some of it depends on what you want, depends on what you need, and and who who you value. You know, and if if they're like, well, they don't need a quarterback, why not go ahead and get some extra picks? And the Jets you know, move up. He may not. They may not be done getting extra picks. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, they may I trade out of the six hole uh, and get some more picks, yeah. which I, I would applaud. I mean, go for it. Um, well, if their GM's more effective than the last guy. <laughs> well, I mean, saying. you could trade down all you want to, but you still got to get some solid players that'll be, you know, there for a while. Yeah, I mean, trading so down is nice, but at some point you have to convert the picks into player capital. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, just hope we don't take a receiver in the first round. We should take a defensive tackle yeah. or an offensive tackle. BPA, baby. Yeah. BPA, and I don't mean plastics. <laughs> I do think, honestly, I do think Barkley's going to drop. Well, I mean, gets, we'll if see, he gets past, If he gets past Cleveland... He's going to drop. Oh, if he gets past New York, he'll drop. Well, I Although they might take him in Denver. They might take him at the five hole if he's Well, available. see, if that's a guy that I'd be curious if, for whatever reason, the Giants don't take him. Right? If the Giants don't take him, I'd be really curious if somebody pays a premium to move up to get him as a home run hitter. I you still I mean? think but. I still think Buffalo is going to tra- trade with the uh, Giants to go that two hole. I think it's the fight to get to Josh Allen. That's what I think everybody's trying to move up to get Josh Allen. I would not touch that dude at all. <laughs> I, would, I would touch Rosen. We'll see how it plays out. That's part of the fun and the intrigue and the mystery of the NFL draft. Because I guarantee, but you think brackets are ugly? Look at mock drafts. 
We could mock draft. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Leading up to that, if if you treated the mock draft as like a March Madness bracket, it is one big giant debacle of fail by the time you get to the actual draft. <laughs> Lots of red, not a lot of green. <laughs> no, man. There's a ton of red. And what's so funny is we almost never revisit anybody's mock draft. Oh, hey, look, you got uh, one pick right. Congratulations. You know, then there's a trade, and hey. th- this happens, and then that happens, and there's some random person that comes out of nowhere. You're like, who the hell is that? You know, I mean, it's just it's just what it is, dude. It's just what it is. So looking forward to that. Uh, also, I, we'll do our Salute O'Clock, and, you know, our Salute O'Clock is sponsored by Kirk Cousins. <laughs> yes, he's buying drinks. Yeah, I, I think all the drinks are on Kirk Cousins. For the uh, next three years. For the next three years with his guaranteed... You know, I'm the highest paid player in the NFL, at least for now, uh, for a period of time. Three-year, $84 million deal with the Vikings, average of $28 million per, just a smidge. And we talked about this, about 500000 more than uh, Jimmy G in San Fran. So he's made good money over the past couple of years. Um, I wish him well in Minnesota. I think that's. I think he made the right choice going there. Um, Absolutely. I'll, I'll be curious to see how Minnesota structures other contracts around him. But, you know, I, st- I think it's a lot to pay for Cousins, but... You know, we beat this drum a lot. He leveraged it perfectly. He set himself up perfectly. Um, But let's not pretend uh, there wasn't a financial incentive. You know, show me the money, right? (laughs) Show me the money, y'all. Yes, sir. Let's not pretend that. But I I do think what's most significant is not just the amount that he made. It's how we got the contract structured. Uh, I think that's the real big deal. That shifts the landscape a little bit. And you'll see some players, you know, kind of a tip of the cap. Doug Baldwin said... um, you know, Kirk Cousins is a hero for all the young players that will follow after him. Uh, now we need more players to better themselves until fully guaranteed contracts are the norm and not the exception. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, it, it was a bold move. It was a bold move. Look, here's another from Trey Wingo. He said, has a quarterback ever played the game of NFL money better than Kirk Cousins? Two straight years in the franchise tag, followed up by three years, $84 million guaranteed. There's another kick at the can at the age of 32. I mean, he he set himself up to make a, just an insane amount of money um, over this chunk of his career. Uh, again, Sharp. yeah, I mean, it, there's no doubt that was an astute way to play it. Uh, you have to give him credit on that, and hopefully, he doesn't go there and just you know suck big bags of ass. And if he does, <laughs> a lot of Redskins fans are going to laugh at him. <laughs> um, Shit, I'm, I'm sorry, bad. dude. He he's got he'll have the best weapons he's ever had there. So. Well, I, I don't see. I mean, the Redskins often well, they got really hurt, I, but I, I think they had a lot of nice pieces this particular year, uh, and I hope like hell um, they're actually healthy the next year. I'm, I'm curious to see what Alex Smith does with uh, with that offense because they have a decent line. They've got some good skill position players. We'll see about Paul Richardson. I don't know. The guy's got some jets, but he has it didn't, not like he has a great injury history either. So, but look, Minnesota's pretty complete run game D. Um, receivers. I mean, they have a lot. Play indoors. You got some opportunity in that division. They're sitting pretty, and he's sitting pretty, at least for the short term. And if it all burns down and goes to hell, he can at rip. At least on paper. <laughs> yeah, at least on paper. <clears throat> he can rip court out after three years and be like, peace, thanks, y'all. Uh, by the way, I like, uh, if I remember correctly, I think the Eagles open up the NFL season against Minnesota. I don't remember. I don't know if, if they've announced where they're well, playing. I would imagine the Eagles get the home game, but I'm pretty sure. I heard the conversation between Rich and Dan the other day, and Rich Eisen was like, it's either going to be Minnesota or Dallas. 
It's either Minnesota for the rematch in that championship game or Dallas to stick it to Jerry Jones. So he has to watch the banner being raised in Philly. Oh, God, that'd be great. That'd be great. That'd be great. I, I think the rematch would be actually a better game, though, when you think about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I would hope. Totally agree. Yeah. I would hope. They would may hope. just do something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, did y'all see where uh, John Elway butchered Case Keenum's name? By the way, no. yeah, check this out. Check, check this out. This is John Elway introducing Case Keenum. Here you go. <laughs> I'd like to introduce you to the new starting quarterback of the Denver Broncos, Case Keenum. Keenum, I'm sorry. <laughs> Have a few more there, Johnny boy. <laughs> I'd like to introduce you to the Case new starting Keesum. Here you go. Quarterback of the Denver Broncos, Case Keesum. Broncos, Case Keesum. Broncos, Case Keesum. Broncos, Case Keesum. Keenum, I'm sorry. <laughs> Pop the tops, John. Pop the tops, man. <laughs> That's almost as bad as Shannon talking about Braxton Miller that one time. Oh my God, dude. <laughs> oh, it's so it's so silly, man. Oh man. Incidentally, before I forget, for it's all like, the people, like, that, baby. for all the people that are piling on uh, all the money that Kirk Cousins is making, and people hating on that, do not forget that Sam Bradford, who's on a deal with the Cardinals for twenty million dollars. Um, look, he, <laughs> you will be blown away by this. All right. So far, eight seasons, he's made 114 million bucks. He has been one of the highest paid players throughout his entire career. I love this tweet from Eric Weddle. It just said, so dumb. Bradford has been paid more for nothing than anyone in the history of the NFL. So what I want to, what I want, I'm gonna throw out a number, and I want you to like guess some of the some of the guys that you think might be above him. All right. So if you compare his earnings per season, Bradford, according to Spot Track, if you break it down, so far he's made about fourteen point two million dollars a year. Wow. All right. Think about that. How much do you think Peyton Manning broke down to throughout his career? Yeah, just kind of like a yearly average. I would say 17, 15, 13.8. Oh my God. <laughs> Here you go. Phillip Rivers, 13.4. Cam Newton, 12.8. Big Ben, 12.1. Take a stab at Drew Brees. What do you think he's made? Again, you know, kind of average per, per year. 11.3. Somebody, somebody's got an article up. 11.3. No, Shannon was right. Oh, that was just a guess. I don't even have the article. Really? Up. Wow. Good job. Here's one for you. Tom Brady. And remember, Sam Bradford is 14-2. 9 8. Not bad. Tom Brady's about 10 9. I was going to say 10 something. Yeah. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers. Uh, oh, God. Probably like 10 5. 11 10 5. 4. And 10, Russell 5. Wilson, a shade under 10. Again, all every single one of those guys. Every single one of those guys. Sam Bradford must have the best agent of all time. Well, don't forget, Bradford also was one of the last yes. quarterbacks to get a, like a practically a max deal before uh, they put yeah. the, the I cap. Think he in. was the last quarterback. Yeah, actually. which yeah. which does which to be fair does inflate that. But right. you know, good call, it, Randy. Yeah, good call. And that's part of it. That's part of it. So you think about again, you know, Manning, Rivers, Luck, Newton, Big Ben, Breeze, Brady, Rogers, Wilson. Those nine quarterbacks have a combined for sixty-seven Pro Bowls, fourteen All Pro teams, eleven MVPs, twelve Super Bowl wins, and twenty appearances. Sam Bradford has never been to a Pro Bowl or an All Pro team. He's never won MVP. He's never been to a Super Bowl. He hasn't even started the playoff game. <laughs> 
Can we get Larry Fitzgerald on a 40, winning team, please? Too. Can we please just get that man to some team that wins? Oh. Here is my impression of Sam Bradford's career. I mean, this is pretty much all it is. Him got his dick in his hand, and that's about it. <laughs> Crank. And he's making a lot of money. He's like poor. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. That's terrible. <laughs> It's, oh, it's accurate. Steve sex panther. Oh, he's like Joe Flacco. After the contract, he's rocking the sex panther. Well, his his contract's been the Flacco rainbow. His play has not. That's for sure. No. I was trying to find this for. Uh, oh man, I can't believe I can't find this thing now. That's a bummer. That's okay. But anyway, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just ridiculous. The amount of money that guy's made is ridiculous. That's another person that just you know by luck and happenstance and whatever. And they've played their cards right. But it goes to show you how desperate teams are at times for a quarterback. I mean, it's one of the lessons you learn from that. And you see that repeatedly. Hey, you were saying salute of clock, so it's on yeah, Kirk Cousins. It was. The salute clock is on Kirk Cousins. I've already finished one beer. I'm on to the next one. And I've got my, uh, of course, my classic stone uh, hop revolver IPA, as well as my Jack and Coke. And then earlier I polished off, and this was a beer from Mark, uh, a drive through red Brewed and bottled by Joseph's Brow. It was a dry hopped red ale. I mean, it's okay. I like it. Uh, I'm not in love with it, but seven two, so it's got a little punch to it. Uh, not shabby. The hop revolver is a little, you know, a little bit more satisfying for my palate uh, at the moment. But uh, yeah, so uh, thank you, Kirk Cousins. Thank you. I appreciate that. What Any you got? alcohol you drink is good for your palate. <laughs> I do enjoy a tasty beverage, sir. There is no doubt about that. Uh, Shannon, what you got, man? I'm rocking the blonde honey from Wild Wolf. Yeah. You going to put some honey on that bitch? Yes, sir. That's right. That's the way it should be. Randy, what you got, brother? Uh, just got me a blue moon for the evening. It's a solid choice, man. Uh, Whitfield, you got your Pepsi or your Coke? Or your milk? Pepsi. 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 It's like the old school Pepsi. Pepsi Max. Old school. <laughs> Oh, I finally found it. Since you were talking got about some crystal Pepsi, yeah. Since you were talking about Sam Bradford cranking away and uh, made some kind of porn reference for Todd, this one's dedicated to you. Uh, since we called you two crank tooting. <laughs> yeah, buddy. That's right. No, you're you're a great sport, man. Thanks for all the laughs. We appreciate your. Uh, Yes, thank you. We appreciate how good your sense of humor is. Uh, you're a good man, man. You're a good dude. Um, yeah, but uh, Sam Bradford's it's just it, it is crazy. It is it's crazy. Um, side note, side note for the Jets, they've moved up uh, several times, and their track record isn't particularly stellar. So ESPN Stats and Info had this thing. This is the fourth time the Jets have traded up into the top five of the NFL draft. The players chosen by the Jets the previous three times. All right. Wide receiver Johnny Lamb Jones. Who? Yeah, well, that's old school. All right. Um, Dwayne, defensive. That was 1980. That's why none of us remember it. Uh, defensive tackle Dwayne, uh, Dwayne Robertson. And, of course, the oh, one yeah. that every uh, all of us will remember, uh, Mark Sanchez. So, butt fumble. Yeah. <laughs> the butt fumble. Wasn't Dwayne Robertson from Kentucky? Don't recall. We'll have to look him up. Okay. Uh, he was. Yep. Yep. He played uh, about five seasons with the Jets, and then he was traded to the Broncos. So uh, track record's not so good. So at some point, you'd think they'd get one right. So who knows? 
Who knows? And uh, speaking of salute o'clock, I would love to do St. Uh, St. Paddy's Day. And, and please, everybody, do P-A-D-D-Y, not P-A-T-T-Y. Save the patties for the hamburgers. I'm just letting you know. Okay. <laughs> put, put the D in drunk. And just remember that for Paddy, like the Paddy wagon. <laughs> D for drinking. DD for designated driver. And you'll have St. Paddy's Day right. But uh, I love the fact that Rob Gronk. Did you guys see where Rob, uh, where Gronk crashed some dude's uh, bachelor party dressed up as a leprechaun? <laughs> uh, no, I missed that one. <laughs> yeah. He has this gigantic orange beard on, green hat, just looking ridiculous. Oh, he would be so much fun to party with. He said he could be playing for the 69ers next season. <laughs> so gronk so gronk so anyway kirk cousins this drink my friend is for you Mm. mighty tasty mighty tasty uh we'll also raise a glass to uh joe i guess we'll just get all of our nfl stuff out of the way and then we'll go to basketball all right Uh, we'll also raise a glass to joe thomas who's hanging him up um, I, I'd say he had a great career in Cleveland, which perhaps merely if you talk about his own accomplishments, he did. If you talk about team accomplishments, he did not. No. <laughs> <laughs> but Joe Thomas, man, uh, he, he dealt with a lot of injuries and a lot of stuff, a lot of pain, which a lot of NFL players do, man. You know, he's had multiple knee scopes. He had ACL surgery in college. He's had four knee surgeries, uh, elbow surgery, ligament tears, muscle tears, arthritis. And, you know, there was a point, and this is this is an article in For the Win. He said, quote, I remember a time during the season last year where I was standing in front of the media at the podium. And I had uh, Mobic, which is this powerful anti-inflammatory in my body. I had Tylenol. I had Vicodin. I couldn't stand for more than a minute or two without excruciating bone pain in my knee and my back. It was almost at that point where I was saying to myself, I don't know how I'm going to make it through the rest of the season. Now, luckily, my elbow snapped before anything happened with the rest of my body. But you just start thinking in your head, like, I don't know how much longer I can do this. <laughs> you know, and I mean, part of it's a testament to how difficult it is to play that long in the NFL because those guys take a ton of abuse. Um, yeah, you know, and uh, <coughs> I certainly, whatever he does next, and it sounds like he's going to have a crack at being a commentator. Uh, he's, he's kind of a funny dude. He's got a really good personality, um, and he, I think he's kind of a hoot. So I think he's going to get a crack in, uh, at doing something else. And I hope he does. I hope he stays involved with football. But uh, just a couple of things that are kind of interesting to note. Joe Thomas, all right, 11-year career, six All-Pro teams, played 10,362 consecutive snaps. I mean, I'd say it's a safe bet he's making it into the Hall of Fame. You know, Is he first uh, ballot? Yeah. People can debate that, but I think he's going to get there. Okay, but he's a historically pretty damn good player that played for some pretty crappy teams. His career record is 48 and 128. <laughs> for a little perspective, the Patriots have 45 wins, including the playoffs, since 2015. Uh, Thomas was never 1 and 0 in his career. <laughs> in his entire career, he spent 20 weeks above 500 as a pro, 10 of which came in his very first season. So, uh, <laughs> 10 years. Ten weeks above five hundred. That had to be the year where the Colts, if they won their playoff or won the last game of the season, mm-hmm. the Browns would have made the playoffs. And of course, that was when they rested Peyton Manning and everybody. And the Browns were like, "What the hell, man?" I mean, it's some of it's just ugly, dude. At one point, the Browns were winless for a fifty-week stretch of his career. <laughs> Whew. 
Six out of his 11 seasons, the Browns started 0-3 or worse. (laughs) 0-4, 0-5, 0-14, and of course 0-16. Only one time since 2008 did did the Browns have a winning record beyond the halfway point of October. Oh my God, the last time the Browns had a winning record at all was week 14 of 2014. Good Lord, (laughs) y'all. The last two seasons were the worst in NFL history, 1-31. That almost deserves the fail oh, horn. God. Actually, the, it does. The Browns are the only franchise that win fewer than two games in a season on multiple occasions, let alone in back-to-back years. Oh, my God. He lost 41 of his last 43 games. <laughs> oh. Terrible. I, that's, yeah, that's, and, that's and rough. Yet he still stuck it out. He never had a, any idea of leaving Cleveland. He just... They even yeah. asked him if he wanted to. Like, they would trade him, and he said no. Mm-hmm. Don't forget, this is so weird to think about. The, his first year, they were 10-6. and six. They had Derek Anderson coming off a of Pro Bowl. Braylon Edwards. Braylon Edwards, there. Josh Cribbs, Kellen Win- the soldier. Kellen Winslow third, and, Jamal, and Jamal Lewis. Wow. That's a lot of names, man. Oh, my Lord. They were actually decent, pretty they, decent that year, they too, were. man. They were. They were. It's a shame that team didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. I <laughs> did. <laughs> I like this. Clearly, again, clearly this dude has a good sense of humor, man. 20, 2017 preseason world champions. That one's going to be on my grave. <laughs> <laughs> 4 no, baby. 4 no. Oh, man. Joe Thomas says Brandon Whedon couldn't call because he was stuck under a flag. <laughs> <laughs> Sasha Brown didn't make the call in time. Wow. Oh, man. Joe Thomas on, on the Rob Chudzinski era. Both of those days were outstanding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's pretty fantastic. Oh, Lord. That's great, man. Now, the guy's got a really good sense of humor, man. And, uh, again, I, I hope, I hope we get to see him do some, uh, post, you know, post playing day kind of fun. I think he's, I do think he's going to get a crack at, uh, Looks like that, man. Why yeah. not? Yeah, no, he's a, he's a funny dude. And I guess we'll wrap up a, a, the NFL tie a little you know, bow on it, um, obviously, with Alex Smith. And Todd, when we were out watching games, I think it was Thursday. I think it was Thursday yeah. night. And I, I went up and met you guys at Sports Page. We had a good time. And he was like, well, you haven't really talked a lot about Alex Smith. And, you know, look, I, I like Alex Smith. Um, I understand the trade. I think he's going to be, you know, my impression, and we'll see if I'm wrong or right or whatever, not that it super matters a ton, but uh, my impression is, is, look, he's got a a really high football IQ. He's going to come in. He's going to pick up the system. He's going to be a good locker room guy. I think think the teammates are going to like him, particularly as somebody coming in after – maybe they felt that, that, uh, you know, Kirk Cousins was not committal because he kind of was. Uh, the team wasn't going to meet Cousins' you know, demands, clearly, um, for whatever reason. But I, I think Alex Smith is going to come in there and, you know, I, I think there's going to be buy-in from his teammates and for what he's going to bring to the locker room and certainly onto the field. I think, you know, my, my concern with Smith is that what we're going to see is some of the things that historically have, have kind of happened to him. And that's, yeah, he's going to spread the ball around, but... And they got they brought they're bringing in a deep threat with Paul Richardson and that's great. But is he going to throw the damn ball deep? I mean, he's not going to throw a lot of picks. That's not his, he's not he's not a turnover guy, and that's nice. He probably won't have some of the brain farts that Cousins did in the last two minutes of a game. 
Um, <laughs> and that's probably true. But you know, you mean is, he won't take a knee. <laughs> no, not just. Oh, let me just take a random knee. Why not? <laughs> no, he probably won't do that. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I what I would like to see out of Alex Smith, if this is the last stage of his career, and I mean he's thirty three. Isn't it strange? By the way, isn't it weird to think he's, he was in Kansas City for five years? Jeez. Does it feel like he was in KC for five years? Because it sure as no. hell doesn't to me. No. Um, God, bizarre. But, um, you know, he's got his contract extension. He's certainly getting paid. No issue with that. You know, he was the number one overall choice in 05. And, it, yeah, he, he was traded March 20th, 2013 to the Chiefs. So... I hope that it works out well. I understand why they did the trade, and I'm okay with that. What I would love to see out of Alex Smith, if this is his, his last chunk, and in, in all likelihood it is, that he rolls up and all the intangibles I think are going to be good with him. Know the playbook, know the players, lead, good leadership on the field. That stuff is going to be there but it's going to be the execution of. And I would like to see him be more of a risk taker. And maybe some of that is going to be reflective of the coaching. I mean, Andy Reid had some knocks on him as a head coach with, with some of what they did. Uh, that's something that obviously kind of got him out of you know Philadelphia and, and apparently has fought him a little bit in Kansas City. But, I mean, most people will tell you he's a good coach. So we'll see if the pairing of Gruden and Smith is good. I, I want to believe that it's going to be, you know, Gruden said, um, you know, talking about making a move, you know, some quarterbacks are, are better than others, and Alex Smith is one of the best at it. His his off-schedule plays are well-documented. He's a problem when he gets outside of the pocket. You have to be well aware of your rush lanes. You know, and he's talking about these things that he can do, his movement skills, his ability to run, he's a good athlete, and all that stuff is true. You know, uh, all that stuff is true, but is he going to be willing to throw the ball down the damn field? <laughs> hmm. You know? Well, I mean, with Tyreek Hill last year, last season, he did have a couple of long bombs. He did. So it's not like he, he didn't just chuck it. Yeah, but, it, you know, think about the ups and downs that, like, like the Chiefs had offensively. And I'm not putting this all on Alex Smith. But they had some moments where they looked explosive, and then they had moments, you know, they had some games where they looked like the offense couldn't do anything. And it didn't make a lot of sense. You know, and some of that might be play calling. Some of that may have been the health of players. You know, some of it may have been the the overall skill set of someone like Tyreek Hill. And Hill's a, obviously a, a dynamo, but he's not like a, you know, he has like 50 routes he runs. You know what I mean? So some of it depends <laughs> on the defense, what the defense does. And, and that's all true and that's all fair. Um, but I don't, I mean, as most people did, do you know Alex Smith to be, you know, aggressive for pushing it down the field? And I don't, I don't think that's normally what you go to with him. You think, fair or not, you think, game manager, guy can run, occasionally throws a deep ball, but, you loves know. Loves his tight ends. Loves his tight ends, which if Jordan Reed is healthy, he, he's probably going to have a bonanza year. But he hasn't well, been, even you know. having Vernon Davis. Oh, I yeah, mean, of course. So that'll help, too. How weird is it to think that they are reunited? Vernon Davis and Alex Smith reunited in Washington, D.C. <laughs> it's so, so bizarre. Weird. It's so bizarre. But look. This is what Alex Smith said. Quote, I've never won a championship, never won a Super Bowl. That's what we're all chasing. Good luck chasing that in D.C., man. <laughs> uh, good luck with that. Yeah, good luck with that one. I think this is the ultimate team sport, the most competitive sport in the world, the greatest sport in the world, and we're chasing the ultimate dream. We're trying to find a way. That's the challenge for me. Can we find a way? And there's so much that goes into it from top to bottom in each department in the building. Can we go out and find a way to get it done? That challenge excites me more than ever. And that, you know how you do that? 
You get Dan Snyder to sit down, shut up, and just write checks. Yeah, maybe. And let maybe. everybody else do their job. Maybe. Well, <laughs> and, and one thing, I, one thing I'll say about about Alex Smith, man, that dude has been through the ringer as an NFL quarterback. He comes across totally calm, cool, collected. He can handle the media. I don't think any of that stuff's going to bother him. You know what I mean? No, I don't think not. any of that stuff's going to bother him. So, um, to me, he's going to be focused on defining the end of his career and what his legacy is going to be. There is upside. Uh, historically, I don't love the dysfunction of the Redskins organization. We'll see if if he can have a steady hand and a good influence in that. Obviously, if the Redskins can stay healthy, that's going to be a big thing for them because last year was just awful. Um, they had so many injuries all across the board, defense, offense, I mean, just everywhere. So uh, I kind of thought, have you guys seen that Powerade commercial where it's like this old dude at a convenience store and this woman's buying this bottle of Powerade, right? He's yeah. like, man, if I had that back in the day and like he's he's like on, on the court and like he's breaking ankles everywhere, people I in the stands. I love that yeah. commercial. And that's kind of like what the Redskins season was last year. Like everybody, all their opponents drank Powerade and they were breaking ankles all over the field. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's what that year was for them. It was awful. So, um, you know, I like the upside. Uh, I think he'll he'll be a steady hand and stable, and I think they've got some nice pieces. I I hope that his focus on the end stage of his career and his time with the Redskins is good, and he can he can make a positive difference. I think he's going to do a lot of the little things right. I think he'll handle the media very well. Uh, I would expect that a lot of fans will like him, and then it's just a matter of can that translate to you know, more on-field success. And, and, you know, I mean, the Giants, if they get this draft right and Eli's okay, they might rebound. Obviously, this is it looks like it's going to be Philly's division uh, for the next couple of years. And Dallas is, is at least a, a reasonable threat. So it, and this is not a cakewalk division either, you know. So uh, we'll see how it pans out. I, I certainly hope for good things. But I, I think he's going to do all, all the intangibles, I think, are going to be good. And it's really, at the end of the day, it's, you know, what does the team do? How do they produce? How do they execute? But I, I hope that, uh, not that I want to see turnovers, but I'd like to see him be, you know, a smidge more aggressive. A smidge more aggressive. And a little a Vernon Davis resurgence would be really a hoot. Randy, back in the day, I feel like you had Vernon Davis every freaking year in fantasy. <laughs> you <laughs> know what I mean? while there, I did. Yeah, it, it seems like. Well, I think Vernon Davis was like your version of Darryl, of Darren Sproles for me. You know what I mean? Like, like I always found a way to get Sproles, and I think you always had Vernon Davis. And who knows? Maybe you'll uh, maybe you'll pull Vernon Davis again this year. But, uh, you know, I, I, I like the move. I understand the move. I don't love the move, but... And some of that might be my own biases with what I've come to expect out of you know his teams and his career, and I hope he proves me wrong. Um, as far as who he is, his personality, how he's going to handle everything, I think I think the team's going to love him. I think the media will love him. I think he'll give good sound bites, and uh, he'll be a, a, a good person, good quarterback, good player. It's just you know, does he can he be enough of a difference maker in a historically dysfunctional franchise um, to elevate him up and, and take him to the next level? And you know, we'll see. I hope he is. Um, I certainly wish him well. I'm a Redskins fan after all. Go ahead and get you a Alex nope. Smith jersey. Nope. I don't need an Alex Smith jersey. Nope. Look, you know, I don't remember who joked around about if it was Dan Patrick or Rich Eisen. I don't remember who, who talked about this. But uh, I'm I'm like a total buyer of this theory that you should only have jerseys of people that are older than you. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, at, at our point, I mean, we're all we're all essentially hovering around the 40 club. So, like, it's really all retired people. You know what I mean? Like, Randy, you can totally have, like, Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, you know, 
Ken Norton Sr. I don't know. You could you know, Roger Craig, but like I'm not going to be running around in you know a Jordan Reed jersey or a Alex Smith jersey or you know, any of that stuff. I, I'm like to me, I don't really wear a lot of jerseys anyway. But like I've got give a, a Dan Stubblefield jersey. Hell no, dude. Dana Stubblefield. Get the hell out of here, Dana Stubblefield. I'll, I'll do a Bryant Young before I do Dana Stubblefield. Bryant Young would be all right. Bryant Young would be okay. I, there, there's too many great players in 49ers history to be like, yo, Stubblefield, that's where it's at. Hell no. Yeah, <laughs> no. Exactly. Get out of here with that BS. But, uh, you know, I'm uh, like, I like that theory, right? Like, I totally get that, man. And uh, I, th- I think, I think, like, I'd rather do throwbacks. Um, again, I'm not a huge Jersey guy, so that's not really important to me anyway. But if I if I was going to get a Redskins jersey, I would do, you know, I'd, I'd probably do like a ball. Like that would be kind of cool to have a Sammy Ball jersey or something like that. Yeah, a uh, Kerrigan. Eh, active player. I could respectfully rock a Kerrigan jersey if somebody gave one to me. Um, but I, I I don't think I'd go out and buy. I think if I was going to buy a, a a Redskins jersey, it would be a, a you know a throwback. That's what I would do. You already got one. It's called Clint Portis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a gift, by the way. I didn't buy that jersey, which is why it's a, it's why it's an XL <laughs> instead of like a two X. Uh, or see, uh, I can get away with Patrick Willis because he's retired. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely, and I think that's fair. I think that's fair. All right, well, let's wrap up the NFL. Anybody else have any uh, anything else on NFL wise you want to throw in there? We done with that. Uh, I got a golf McGolferson update. Oh, golf, golf! All right, what you got, golf McGolferson, man? Bring it. Tiger Woods has finished in the top five in the last two weeks. Look out, Masters! And that has been an update from Golf McGolferson. It's <laughs> <laughs> one way to do it. The resurgence of Tiger Woods' career. It's still real to me, damn it! <laughs> 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 no seriously though man like like i've actually switched a couple of times just to check to see how he was doing yeah. the last couple of weeks it's the first time i watched golf in forever so mm-hmm. I, I really hope that he's truly back on because that that that's good for sports that's good for golf so. oh no it's great for golf it's good Absolutely. for sports it's great for golf if tiger woods yes. can have a couple of years of 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 being healthy his back holds up, his swing is right, his his knees are good, all that stuff. Um, if he can stay healthy and give a couple of good years at this stage of his career, he's gonna suck. You know, he's gonna draw a ton of eyeballs. The ratings will will pop. It's it's so amazing to think of how incredibly significant he is to the sport of golf, Absolutely. and uh, people will tune in just just solely for him. So, uh, not that so, I'm, you know, I mean, it, it, it's relatively immaterial to, to me either way. Uh, I don't hate Tiger. I don't love Tiger. I mean, whatever. He he did some incredible things back in the day. But I think it would be a nice, given everything that's happened to him and uh, what he's been through, some of that is own, his own fault. He, did, he had some, yeah, he had some yeah. douchebaggery he brought on, on himself. But purely from a golf standpoint, to go through what he did, to physically break down, if he can actually come back on the back end of his career and have a, a couple of good years or maybe win a, you know, another tournament or two, I think that would be a pretty incredible turnaround because I've really largely felt, and uh, I think early on, maybe 2012, Somebody asked us about Tiger, and I think we did a piece, and like I, like I was like, "Nah, he's done, dude," <laughs> you know, and it's it felt like that. 
So that it's it's a nice resurgence. But think about how much people are talking about Tiger. You know what I mean? It's just mm. he, he's a phenomenon, right? And, and people just they he truly is. I yeah. mean, the, the the way the golfers today. I mean, they all grew up watching mm-hmm. Tiger. So mm-hmm. that's that's why the the game exploded was because of him. Yeah. So I so, mean, if he can come yeah. back, yeah, if he can come back and have some success now, I mean, people will eat it up. They will love it. They will love it. And it's not a knock against anybody. It's not a knock, knock against Jordan Spieth or any of these other people. But nobody is Tiger. No. You know what I mean? I mean, he is era defining. And there's a lot of great. There's a lot of great golf players. There's a lot, you know, all across the board. But uh, you know, he was he was pop culture. He was sports, pop culture, and like all of that. He just sucked so many people in. Um, so that would be that would be a pretty tremendous thing. Golf McGolferson update. Nice, nice job. And and nerd McNerd Nerdison. Nerd uh, McNerdison. Oh my uh, gosh, Shannon. to uh, Stephen Hawking. <laughs> <laughs> Look, dude, Trump announced that Space Force and. <laughs> Stephen Hawking was like, yo, I'm there. <laughs> Bro, let me tell you something. Bruh. If Mel Brooks doesn't direct Space Force, then then it should not happen. Mel Brooks <laughs> has to direct that movie. I'm sorry. Oh, that would be great. That's the first thing that came to mind, Space Force. Yeah. It's got to be Mel Brooks, no one else. No, but uh, definitely, definitely a good call. We'll raise a glass to Stephen Hawking as we get out of here in segment one. Uh, yeah. Hell of a life, obviously a tremendously accomplished dude. And it's so funny to think about how many things he he just you know cut across as far as being an author, uh, obviously his theories, and then he was funny. He was funny, dude. He was yes. funny, and I, I think like somebody was like, um, I don't know if it was Colbert, I don't remember who was in the interview, and they were like they were talking about parallel universes and basically like saying, so in, in an alternate universe, um, maybe I'm as smart as you and and Hawking, John Oliver, John Oliver. Uh, Oliver, yeah, and he yes. was like, well, maybe not other universe, you're funny, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Just ridiculous, just ridiculous. I mean, he had he had a pretty biting sense of humor, but. Um, a pretty incredible life because I could swear I don't have anything up in front of me to confirm, but I could swear that he when he got his original diagnosis, I mean they basically gave that guy like two years to live, you know, two to three years to live, and he made it obviously much more than that. Um, so uh, it's just yes, an incredible, yeah. uh, just an incredible mind. And if I remember correctly, and I think I posted in the brew chat, but and I hope I don't have it backwards, but if I remember correctly, he was. Born the the month and day he was born on the date of Galileo's death, correct. And he died on the date of Albert Einstein's birth, correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, think about th- how funky coincidental that is. I got nothing. For um, you, you know what I'm saying? Like you can't. I mean, he went Leroy Jenkins himself. You know what? That that's that's absolutely legit. Space Force into the great beyond. Mm-hmm. Stephen Hawking, man. Rest in peace, brother. Yes. Hell absolutely. of a life. All right, gentlemen, let's take a break. And uh, look, as always, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, our home feed on Podbean, LiveSportsCaster.com, at the Google Play Store, keywords are sports and brew. We know you love both. Otherwise, I mean, what are you doing with your life, man? <laughs> <laughs> we know you love both because we love both. Uh, but we'll take a break. We'll be right back, and we're just gonna go full bore NCAA tournament, man. From here on out, we'll ride it out, and then uh, yeah, then we'll shut it down. 
I'm going to let y'all good people go for the night. That's fine. It's not like you have a whole bunch to add anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could basically... Shut up. <laughs> oh, no. You want to talk about Virginia Tech? Hey, Hokies. They got screwed. How do you fuck that up? <laughs> How do you fuck that up? That's what you tell you, yay. <laughs> yeah, I was crowing into Cincinnati uh, yesterday. Oh, yeah, that too, that too, Woo. that too. Well, no. Xavier. The, the whole city of uh, Cincinnati. Everybody, everybody. <laughs> the Bengals to the Bearcats to the Musketeers. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I, I, we probably have a more appropriate sound for Cincinnati. <laughs> 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 Thanks, Peter. A little joke and stuff. No, it's good to catch up with you for a bit, Matt. I Man, go get some rest, and uh, we'll catch you on the flip side. And uh, what's your uh, any like final prediction for uh, the tournament? Well, Sweet Sixteen. You know, call your call your shot now, Mister. Oh, hell, a whole bunch of my Final Four still alive. <laughs> call your shots, big boy. I, I mean, you know, I'm a roll with Duke. I think Duke's got a pretty solid team, and even if they don't get it done this year, next year. Just go ahead and give it to us. I do like uh, Michigan. I think yeah. they're the dark horse to win it all. But I also, I don't know, beware Kentucky. Villanova be right there too, but there's something about Michigan and uh, Kentucky that's scaring me, and I just don't know what. Well, you know, it, with Kentucky, man, that's a team, and we'll talk more about this in the next segment, that's a team that yeah, sometimes it takes a, it takes a while to figure out who you are. And put it together. And that's what happens when you're dealing with a lot of young players. So, it, it, look, if you're going to figure it out, figure it out in the tournament. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, figure it out then because that's when it matters the most. But, uh, no, that's all good. I, I'll be totally thrilled if um, I, you will get no complaints out of me if it's a Kentucky-Duke final. And certainly no complaints out of me if Duke wins the whole thing. I mean, absolutely zero. But I'm a Duke fan. You get fan, complaints so. out of me, though. Well, yeah. And Christian, <laughs> Christian later will say hi. Um, Damn it! Yeah, it's too soon. <laughs> it is too soon. It's always too soon, man. Don't worry. We ought to get you a T-shirt that just has an impression of uh, Christian Leitner's shoe print on the front. <laughs> I think that would be. I think that would be an awesome shirt, dude. I that's think that that's a just, good marketing idea, by the way. That would be a riot, wouldn't it? Or oh just God. just find him a picture um, of the uh, shot on a T-shirt. The sh- I think the shoe print's funnier for Kentucky yeah, fans. For a Kentucky fan to have have Christian Leitner's shoe print on his chest, I think would be funny. That would be hilarious. Yeah, I think that would be fantastic. But uh, anywho, that's all right. All right, Matt, we'll go get some rest, man. We'll catch you a little bit later. Thanks for popping in for a little bit tonight. Um, and yeah, still gonna be weird to see Jordy Nelson, Silver and Black. So strange, so strange. But anyway, yes. we're the sports. We'll be right back in just a moment, man. Yes, sir. I had to stretch our legs for a couple minutes, but we are back, and now it's NCAA tournament time. Whoop, whoop. That's right, buddy. <laughs> plenty, of the, plenty of that in the tournament, man. No doubt about that. But I think, you know, one of those, one of those key terms when you talk about, the, about March Madness is the old survive in advance. You know what I mean? Because it, it, it does get crazy, dude. And for real, man, you, sometimes you got to go eye of the tiger by whatever means necessary, dude. <laughs> Survive and advance, dude. That is legit. Or else, you know, or else you get the classic sports brew finish. And we can just start listing off names of teams. 
Arizona State. Thanks for playing. <laughs> Xavier. Arizona. Thanks for playing. Arizona. Thanks for playing. <laughs> UNC. Thanks for playing. <laughs> Pac-12. 0-3. Thanks for coming. Get your commemorative. Well, you're not even getting commemorative shirts at this point. You just suck too bad. Get your James Harrison Participation Trophy Award. James Harrison does not approve. <laughs> no, he does not. <laughs> uh, although I still love the fact that somebody did that gigantic inflatable participation trophy in his yard or whatever. That's still, that's still hilarious to me. That's, that's still hilarious to me. But, uh, oh, man, it's the end of the road for so many teams, dude. And Arizona was just, that was such a massive shock. And kudos to the Buffalo Bulls, man, and Nate Oates. That was great. Um... 89 to 68 whooping they stuck on Arizona just not even close yeah just a whooping dude and oh oh and Trey Young in Oklahoma thank you Rhode Island for ending that debacle of a of a tournament appearance we although I think you know didn't they have a shot at the end if I remember correctly yeah yeah so you know end of the road for a lot of teams man a lot of teams that people had higher expectations for I don't know if that's in, in part, a little bit of misseeding, perhaps, perhaps, but just teams playing up and showing up uh, in the tournament and having their having their one shining moment, man. And again, that's what makes that's what makes the opening weekend of March Madness so glorious. Is just the sheer insanity at times, and it doesn't go chalk. I mean, you know, a, a lot of people have talked about this particular year in college basketball and how so many different teams. You know, they, they've had a run or they've had some moments or they've had some weeks or they've had this, but there hasn't been, like, one clear dominant team consistently. It's been a strange season. Yeah, and, and kind of an oddball year. And you can talk about parity or you can talk about any number of things, but just the glory of the tournament, man, it's there. And, uh, oh, 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 I almost forgot Miami. Thanks, Loyola. <laughs> taking out the... Taking out to you. <laughs> you be watching at home, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I have to tell you, Dustin, John, as soon as Loyola hit that game winner and the game was over, mm. Thompson called me. He's like, damn it, coach. I can't believe you got Loyola right. And I'm like, <laughs> that's fantastic. Oh, like, Sorry, bro. Uh, man, like you know, Sister Jean, baby. Sister Jean. Sister Jean, man. Don't, don't mess with Sister Jean, buddy. Don't mess with her. So shall we start off with uh, UMBC and UVA since that's probably the most obvious one? Well, we have to go right back to the end of the road, man. Wait, yeah. Tony Bennett, UVA, my God. Like, I don't even want to pile hate on him for that. You know what I mean? Like, this is one of those games where UVA definitely didn't play their best. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But you, I don't think you can fairly look at that game without just giving UMBC a fat, gigantic bag of credit for showing up, for playing their asses off. And to be fair, they shot lights out. Well, I mean, I'll tell you what, man. They shot lights out, but, but they brought a lot of intensity. They were not intimidated. I mean, halftime was 21-21, if I recall correctly. So it, wasn't, ne- correct. it wasn't necessarily pretty. <laughs> Well, but, here's the thing: like, if you go into halftime tied, it's you're essentially like, let's just go balls to the wall. If you're if you're the UMBC coach, hey, listen, we ain't got nothing to lose here. Yeah. So let's 
ball out, ball to the wall, and let's just go for this thing. And UVA, like, they got they got flustered in a hurry. And I, I'm not sure what the speech was at halftime uh, by Coach Bennett, but it, it clearly uh, was not about being First aggressive. First time in NC. Sorry about that. That was an autoplay video as I was moving around in a couple of tabs. Thanks, Yahoo. <laughs> thanks, Yahoo. Yeah, thanks, y'all. Thanks, appreciate but, uh, it. You know, the UNBC came out in that second half, hit two threes to take the 27-21 lead, and I. that's when I started kind of throwing in there, hey, y'all might want to turn this on. And, you know, it just kind of festered from there. And, boy, UVA for having such a size advantage on them, did not play to that advantage. Like, they kept trying to shoot threes uh, with this team. You know, UVA ended up going 4 of 22 from three-point range. Oh, they! Sh- I mean, they shot like garbage. Uh, you know, 41% from the game, uh, 23 of 56. But the fact that they shot 22 three-pointers shocked me. Like, if you have that much of a size advantage... Just go inside, dude. There's there's no reason Shannon, for them to Shannon, be shooting Shannon, that threes. That's clearly that's what she said. I, I'm just saying. I mean, th- think about that line there. <laughs> <laughs> you said <laughs> balls. <laughs> just saying, if you got the size advantage, go inside, baby. Time, Take no, it to the hole. No dribbling. <laughs> no dribbling. <laughs> Box out, buddy. Box out, man. Box out. <laughs> get it in the cup. <laughs> uh, no, but, like, I mean, I think the, the, the broader point, and you're right, man. Like, they got away from their identity. And, and you have to give UMBC credit for kind of forcing them outside of their comfort zone. And, and they just didn't recover from that. Um, no. Whether that's offensively, whether it's defensively. They look flustered, and they look like the moment got to them. And that's, again, what surprises me about that team because it's not like it's a bunch of really – it's not like UVA is a bunch of one-and-dones, right? That's not right, their deal. Right, right. So that you, a, Go ahead. I was say, I think the thing that got them was that UMBC went, had a four-guard lineup, mm-hmm. and they were just so much quicker than UVA. Like, UVA at, plays great against, like, bigger teams – because they're not as fast. But when right. you have those four guards who can just go around you in a heartbeat, that is what got them. That That's what flustered them because they mm-hmm. just, it was like trying to stay in front of a little bug and you you just can't do it. And, you know, plus Jarius Lyles went off. Oh, uh, he had a half. great game. Great game. Uh, yeah, former VCU guard, by the way. Who didn't do a whole bunch of VCU, but. Well, and Shaka Smart was quoted on this he said you know it just wasn't the right fit for Jarius so when he transferred out and went to UMBC it was the right fit for him right you know? and and that that's kind of a like a big deal like I, I know people have made some big deal about like transfers and college and stuff but where you initially go it may not be the best fit for you and this was obviously one of those times where it wasn't the best fit for this young man and it obviously benefited him in the long run, to transfer to a different school. Because, I mean, his name's going to be forever etched in history now. Oh, of course. I and mean, it's it's going to be the, uh, the, the question, <laughs> the trivia question, obviously, in every trivia game. 
you know, who led the UMBC in scoring in the upset of UVA. Um, you know, that's, and, that and both his parents went to UVA. Oh my goodness. Both gracious. of his pa- so not only was he like at VCU, both of his parents went to UVA. But if there was any team that was like Destiny said we're going to screw the state of Virginia. <laughs> it was UMBC, <laughs> dude. I mean, just it's just ridiculous, and that and their, uh-huh. their and that and their head coach was a ball boy at UVA way back when when they were the last time they were ranked number one in the eighties. I mean, it's like the proverbial like hashtag mind blown. Uh, although I I do think we have to uh, thank UMBC for getting everybody in the country if they so choose to eat this <laughs> some free little Caesars, dude. <laughs> That's true. Uh, you know, I, I guess Little Caesars has to do it in April because they they're like, oh crap, we actually have to feed anybody that wants to roll. We we got to stock uh-huh. up on some dough and some ingredients, man. Because uh, let me tell you what, Twitter Twitter gets rather hateful. Can you imagine if a whole bunch of people and there, there's obviously a narrow window of time that you can get this free lunch deal, right? You get, you get like a free Little Caesars lunch combo, one per family, one per family. But can you imagine the Twitter sphere if like Little Caesars runs out of food? Or runs out of stuff. Oh, they're gonna get crushed. <laughs> this is why they're like, okay, we're gonna do this in April, so they can freaking stock up, and they're probably fired whoever did this. Well, they probably whoever. thought the odds were pretty good. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, going before it, that game, it was one thirty-five and zero. Yeah, I mean, you know, so, that's, that's I mean, the odds were technically in their favor. May the odds uh, be ever in your favor. I mean, you know that. what I'm saying? Yeah, like for real, dude. It was only a matter of time. Well, you figured it was going to happen at some point, but... It's the thing, like, UMBC in that second half dropped 53. 53. Mm-hmm. Virginia held multiple teams under 53 for the entire game <clears throat> at times this year. They had not allowed a team to score 70 at all this year. Mm-hmm. And that includes Duke and North Carolina and all them. Okay, UMBC dropped 74 on them. They shot 67.9% in the second half. I mean, just obscene. Obscene. And by the way, once I was looking at the stats, uh-huh. I did not realize this. UMBC out-rebounded UVA by 11. Wasn't there something crazy in the first half? Like they had no ass- the UVA had no assist or something in the first half? That is correct. Oh, my God. 16 assists for UMBC. Five for UVA for the game. That is atrocious. So that that is like if UVA doesn't have at least fifteen assists a game, like that's forget about it. Yeah. Uh, you know turnovers. I mean UMBC had five more, but th- that's to be expected. UMBC shot fifty four percent from the game from field for field goals, fifty percent from three, twelve of twenty four. Free throws were ten of fourteen. UVA only attempted eight, only made four. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was like when Mark was like, "Oh, they, you know, it's not over." Like it was, the door was shut early in that second half. UMBC well, was not letting them back in. No, I mean, it felt like every time UVA would do something where it looked like, okay, they're going to settle down, they're going to get some control of this, they're going to start locking them down on defense. I mean, UMBC would either you know pop off a three. Or somebody would drive to the hoop and get like just a super friendly roll off that rim, and that ball would drop. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, I mean, it, it had to be not soul crushing, but it, you know, at some point, it's it's like the way UMBC was playing. 
Uh, it's like the retrievers just crush their spirit. You know what I mean? And I, I just I, think that was evident. I mean, at some point, you're just like, it's just not our night. It's just not meant to be. I mean, th- these just, guys are just rolling. There was nothing they could do. And, you know, it's it's one of those things, like, I kind of feel like UVA felt sorry for themselves going into the game. Maybe. It's just a little going bit. Going into the game? Lost- oh, I meant during the game, but. But, like, you know. Oh, because kinda, of the injury? Yeah, because of the injury. I actually had to have that lesson with one of my kids this week. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Lily did bad on one of her papers and, you know, was kind of down on herself. I'm like, look, you just can't feel sorry for yourself. Just pick yourself up, study hard for the next one. You know, you, you don't feel sorry for yourself because no one else is. Well, you know, Which, learning's not about perfection. You know right. what I mean? It, it's not. And some of that is, is, is learning how to do, learning how to win, learning how to lose, learning how to prepare. There's a lot of things that go into that. And, and, you know, there's lessons in a lot of these little pieces, whether you're talking about academics, whether you're talking about sports. And sometimes it's just, there, you know, <laughs> there's an opportunity space to learn something about you or the team or whatever. And I don't know what UVA and Tony Bennett ultimately take away from this. But I mean, I can I can tell you this: every single person involved with that program this year, that loss will stick with them for the entirety of their lives. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, the, the lessons from that game, yeah, the lessons from that game and the pain and the sting from that. Well, they will remember that their entire life. And but here's the thing, though: I mean, you can either let that bring you down, or you take that pain and have it motivates you yeah and and i thought I, I, tony i thought was great really great after the game I, I thought he was really gracious in the moment i thought he gave credit where credit was due he was classy as you would expect him to be yeah you know as you would expect that uh, a guy from that program to be and you know it, it's look man I, I i flipped over to espn after the game it honestly felt like it was a therapy session with like all the college basketball guys because <laughs> they were all like just dumbfounded, you know, Billis and all those guys. It, it, it honestly felt like it was a therapy session for, you know, for like major college basketball people. Cause it was just like, we just witnessed history and, I mean, it wasn't it like we said, man. It wasn't even close in that second half. No, and we joked around about it in the sports group chat. It was like, could this actually it's... happen? Nah, <laughs> and it just it was watching that game was amazing. It was it watching was that game was amazing, surreal. It was amazing. I, I'm glad in my lifetime I got to witness a 16 beat a one. I, I think that's one of the most remarkable games will ever remember yeah it's just it, it's like one of those things that just it was like one of the last there was an article that was really interesting uh pat ford there was an article on yahoo and you know the granted he was crushing he was crushing uva in this um he said quote history made in the greatest choke in basketball history is now on its ledger it's time to deconstruct the towering fraud that is virginia basketball which is pretty harsh that's harsh which which is really 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 harsh but uh, and that was kind of an immediate reaction to the whole thing. But the first time a number one seed ever lost to a 16 seed, I mean, they were going to get some blowback. They were going to get some hate. Uh, but here's you know what he was talking about. 
is that you know the the one sixteen upset? He said, "quote has long been considered one of the final frontiers in sports," and you know I mean I think that's a valid point because it, it just felt like that was one of those nearly unobtainable like you'd have the threat of it, but it's just you're talking about programs that are so different from where they're coming from, you know, because your one seed is going to be from a major conference. You know, they're oh, going yeah. they're going to be somebody that's established, going to be somebody that's got a a, a coach you you know. <laughs> they're going to have players that you know, they're going to have some NBA quality talent some mixed in on there. They're just what the makeup of that team, the university on a national stage versus somebody that you've probably never heard of or you don't know or a marginal team or somebody that you know managed to win their conference tournament and got a seed or whatever, which they did, which which UMBC did, but and you know but to show up, amazing, amazing. One thing, a couple of lines from this art because I think it's important. Contextually, I think is is pretty important. Here's one thing that I think this is fair commentary. I don't take it quite as negatively as as Pat Ford does. He said, uh, "Quote, uh, speaking of the one sixteen upset, uh, and now it has happened on Tony Bennett's watch and on his resume forever. A twenty point loss, seventy four to fifty four, is the top seed in the, in the tournament." To a team that wasn't even supposed to win its league tourney. It's unfathomable. You know, and he gives he gives Bennett credit, but he basically says uh, March is littered with the bones of UVA. And part of that's because of the history of underperformance or disappointing performances with the Cavaliers. And again, that's fair criticism. It is. It is. But a lot of the, it was just super negative and super harsh. And then you can certainly take that angle. The flip side of that is to think about what they did accomplish in the regular season. And to give, again, I, th- I think you ultimately, in this kind of scenario, UMBC played out of, the Retrievers played out of their minds. And they had a lot of fight in them against Kansas State. They just couldn't quite finish. But, Shannon, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't they close it within three of Kansas State? Like, with around two or three minutes left? I, I mean, mean, it, it was... It, it got away from them in the end, but... well. I mean, they had so many opportunities in that Kansas State game, and it just it just felt like it was there for the taking, and they just couldn't get it done. And that well, they weren't hitting that's shots. The, that's the game I felt like that would have been against UVA. Like it would have been a it would have been a dogfight, and it would have been close, but they would have UVA would have pulled away at the end. Yeah. Except that they went off in that UVA game. I, you know, I was listening to them talking about it. Like they said, the kids didn't get to sleep till five a.m. They were so excited. You know, they were watching Sports Center. You know, talking to their family and this and that. Like they had no idea. Like that had never happened before, so they didn't know how to handle it. Mm-hmm. So it's not like all the kids got sleep and. All that, but the one thing that they had in their favor going into that Kansas State game is the best scorer on Kansas State was out with a uh, left foot fracture mm-hmm. or a foot fracture. So their best player, Kansas State's best player, was out of that game, and like they started the game off pretty hot. I mean, they yeah. were up, I think, like five zero or six zero or something like that, and uh, you know they had a. I don't think it ever got too crazy out of hand for them. That no. was just they needed they just needed to hit a few shots and you know, whether it be just bad luck or 
because they had open shots. They just oh no, they they got looks and they got plenty of turnovers. Kansas State, I mean, they were sloppy, and some oh, of that it was one. That was like the worst best game I think I've watched. <laughs> That's a good way to look at it. That was an ugly. Because it was it was so fugly, dude. Yeah, it, it was extreme. It was, it was the most it was the most fugly game, but it was probably the highest like viewer game ever on True TV. Mm-hmm. Had to be. My goodness gracious, dude! It's it's it. Could you imagine if they had won that game? Oh, it would have been great. Well, I mean, the it, the if, craziness going on for this week for UMBC, what oh, it would have been? It it would have been it would have been insane. I mean, think about all the love that Loyola's getting, you know, with Sister Jean and and what. Uh, granted, they won two in. They got two upset. They got two upsets <laughs> late game buzzer, essentially buzzer beaters, game yes. enders, and walk offs, which is phenomenal in its own right. We are going to remember the UMBC UVA, you know, game. That'll be one of those things that is just there every time, and from here on out, every single year. Yep. From now on until we have a UMBC, the, the fact that this has happened will serve as hope and inspiration for any team getting in. You yep. know what I mean? And again, it's the classic one and done. It's the classic one and done. Uh, here's another couple of lines from Pat Ford. Talking about uh, you know people unfamiliar with UMBC because you know he said quote because they've never been relevant from a basketball standpoint but he said uh, quote their nickname is the Retrievers and late in the first round of this big dance they fetched the dead carcass of Bennett Ball and left it on the doorstep I'm just ruthless dude it's over this idea that Virginia can win in March with devout defense and dawdling tempo and an offense prone to breaking down at the worst possible time. It's over when a team that can only play one way at one speed is forced into a game that is not a, not of its choosing. Coming from behind, playing more quickly, dealing with actual pressure and, and expectation. It's over when you want to be a heavyweight but have a glass jaw and will panic at the slightest provocation. I mean, I mean, he hammered UVA. That's brutal. Hammered UVA. I mean, it's a good article. It is. Uh, but he, he hammers Bennett. He hammers Bennett's system. He hammers their inability to adapt. And we talked about the struggles that the UVA offense had. And quite frankly, if UVA is out there just trying to pop threes, that's not playing to their strengths. And mm-hmm. I, I do think they got away from their identity. And, th- and that's fair criticism. You know, again, I, I, to me, UVA played a down game. UMBC played out of their minds. And some at some point in the second half, I think UVA just got away from their identity. And I think that's what surprises me most. Um, from the UVA side, is that they just that was they, they lost surprising. they lost who they who they are and who they were and you know they were in a they were in a situation that they weren't familiar with and ultimately I I just think you have to give the Retrievers credit because um, they played lights out they played out of their mind Absolutely. out of their mind if you talk about the most lopsided victories the biggest victories ever by fourteen fifteen and sixteen seeds okay. The Retrievers, the 74-54 win over Virginia, that was a margin of 20. That is the biggest margin of victory by a 14, 15, or 16 seed ever. Ever. Wow. Ever. The next closest is 14, and then it happened twice. When, when Ohio, uh, 14 Ohio beat Georgetown. And when Stephen oh, F- I remember that. Mm-hmm, yeah. And when Stephen F. Austin beat West Virginia in 2016. You know, and then you got some 13s, 12s, 10s, etc. Florida Gulf Coast dropping a hammer on some people. 
Uh, it, it, well, Florida Gulf Coast has two of them back in uh, 2013. And, um, yeah, Georgetown you know, again, one of those. Yes. Yeah, Georgetown again. Oh, Dunk City was fun. <laughs> that was <laughs> for a couple of games. Florida Gulf Coast was, was, was an absolute hoot. Yes. Um, you know, but losing DeAndre Hunter really hurt UVA. That's fair. I read some things that said DeAndre Hunter would have been the guy that would have been on um, Lyles, uh, and maybe that makes a difference. Um, again, it, it's unfortunate for Virginia to have had the injury, but we talked about the about them being a complete team, about you know how defense travels, and they had a strong identity and a strong system, and you know a lot of that failed them, and that itself is fair criticism. But I just, I it, to me, ultimately, I think you have to give. It's more about respecting what UMBC did and and appreciating that moment, this slice of basketball history and tournament history where they just, they they were lights out. I mean, what was Virginia going to do against a team making shots at that rate? Nothing. And and they're raining down threes and that helps, you know, open it up and then they're driving, they're driving in, you know, I mean, it just set up perfectly for them and uh, UVA just didn't have an answer. So I guess you can pile on Bennett. I guess you can pile on a UVA if you want. Uh, Randy, this is where it gets kind of, uh, to me, I know you're a big Syracuse guy, uh, and they've had, they've had a pretty a strong run in the tournament. Now, they're, they're a curveball team, man. They can have a rough regular season, and they somehow slink into the tournament. This is probably one of the things that helps them get into the tournament, quite honestly, uh, is they get in, and even if, even if they play some ugly basketball, that 2-3 zone, man, teams struggle with it, right? But Bayheim, who I like, um, and I always forget how old he is. It's weird to think he's like 73. But, um, yep. you know, wow. Bayheim was talking about this thing with UVA. All right. And he had some great, great lines in this response. Uh, and so, like, people were talking about, obviously, Tony Bennett and UVA and their failure and all these kind of things. And... As somebody that's been through a lot of stuff and's had some tough losses and had, I mean, look, he's got a ring. I mean, you know, his career is is pretty incredible in totality, and he's seen a lot. That's a guy, and, and there are certain people in any given profession, name it, man, that have been through the ringer and have seen a lot of things. And Bayheim, you know, he's an assistant coach with you know Coach K and, and men's Olympic basketball. Obviously, a head coach of Syracuse, and I forget I forget how long he's been there. What like thirty some years? I mean, it, it feels like forever. It feels like my whole lifetime. Beheim's been at Syracuse. I think it's, it's forty three years. Oh, forty three. Did I flip correct. the numbers? Holy yeah. Cow. Yeah. And well, he's seventy three. He's been there forever. But you know, he's talking about this, and he says, "Quote: Tony Bennett's in my top two or three coaches in the country by far. Unfortunately, in our business, it's all about the tournament. When you're a good team, when you just get in, like now I'm a great coach. Shit." I'm no better than I was two weeks ago. Oh, but, oh, you won two games. He must be really, uh, you know, no, nothing to do with that. And so he's talking about just the reality of the tournament where you can have good coaches that that come in and, you know, they get knocked out by somebody. And so, you know, clearly he's defending Tony Bennett um, from some of the criticism and from some of the stuff. He's like that group of people that, that paraphrasing here, that's criticizing Bennett and UVA. If there really is a group like that, they're probably unemployed or are idiots and never went to school <laughs> or they're really, really smart lawyers and doctors that think they know everything. And really in reality, probably know what they're doing and know nothing else, <laughs> you know, 
Uh, speaking of Bennett, he's won against he's won the ACC against Duke in North Carolina for what four or five years. I don't know what it is. It's beyond even trying to understand it. With maybe two recruits in the top forty, and he's playing against fifteen guys in each team over those that that period of time that were in the top twenty or top ten or top five in wins. Come on, it's one game. It's one game. This is college basketball. I saw the Spurs get beat in their first game of the playoffs one year. They won the championship. Golden State, I think, got beat in their first game. They won the championship. It's one and done. You're off your game a little bit, you know, and it's not that like people will say they're just good in a regular season. They're not that good. That's just stupid. That's just stupid. And I actually thought this was really relevant. You know, Pitt in the ACC, man, they're terrible right now. And um, it sounds like, I don't know if you've been following the stuff with Pitt, but uh, it sounds like they're going to have virtually nobody returning next year. Anyway, so uh, ba- yeah, I heard about that. So Bayheim's talking about Pittsburgh. He says, "Quote Pittsburgh. They didn't like their coach because he didn't win in the tournament. They're doing really good now, aren't they? In Pittsburgh, I know all those people were yelling too. They wanted them out. <laughs> anyway, uh, he said, "Quote. Come on. The tournament is. I've lost in this tournament. Everybody has. I've looked at the list of bad losses, and I couldn't believe we were even on. We weren't even on it, but." Coach K has lost. I've lost. Roy Williams has lost. Bill Self has lost. Dean Smith has lost. There's nobody that hasn't lost. Exactly. You know, and I think that's I think that's realistic. You know what I mean? Well, and, and for the people calling for Bennett to be fired, or just no, be, that's a terrible I mean, decision. No, I mean, come on, dude. Dude won 30 games. He won the ACC regular season and postseason tournament. I mean, listen, yes, it's a historic loss. It, it sucks. Is. It does. But you, you don't get to that point without him being your coach. So suck it up, Buttercup. Get over it. Move on. Well, I mean, you know, realistically, let's be fair. I mean, the the two schools that have managed the one-and-done era better than anybody are Kentucky and Duke. Correct. You're not drawing that same caliber. You're not drawing that same recruit to UVA. You're well, not. Different academics. Well, Duke's got high academic standards. They do, but, but I'm just saying, like, how game, you man. know, I mean, Tony Bennett and UVA on. can't compete with Kentucky and Duke for for who they're recruiting. They can't. Well, style of play is one. Well, sure, sure, style of play is one. <laughs> but a, I mean, probably, you know, like, part of that is thing. the reality, right? And I mean, you know. You know, there are people that hate on the one-and-done thing. Well, if you hate on the one-and-done, shouldn't you like a program like UVA? Should. I'm not saying you should be their fan, but understand that that's a program that's built not on the backs of one-and-dones. That You know what I mean? That's a program that's built. They have a system. They have a coach. They, they bring players in. They matriculate. They mature. They grow in the program. So why hate them? You know, yeah, the result sucks. And if you don't like UVA, that's fine. Maybe you go, oh, you know, a bunch of rich white kids. That's fine. You can take that stance if you want, whatever. But the point is, they they don't operate in the same capacity that Kentucky and Duke. If you want to, and I use that as an easy example of the one and dones. Because Kentucky and Duke, again, to me, are the two teams that uh, nobody has outmaneuvered recently in the one and done era. <laughs> I don't think anybody has. They recruit like freaking champs. Did you hear that thing with Coach Cal? I forget who's uh, – I don't know if it was Dan Patrick or Rich Eisen, but he was talking about his players in the NBA, and he's like, we've got players in the NBA making over $1 billion. It was so funny. Uh, oh, that, that's just him selling the program, dude. That's, he's, that's Cal he, right there. He's bombastic. He's bombastic. Uh, and he's kind of a hoot. But, you know, uh, a bitter loss. Bitter loss. It'll, it'll hang around that program – really in perpetuity of course it will 
the flip side, obviously, is that UMBC gets to hang their hat on that also in perpetuity. Because regardless of what they ever accomplish going forward, people will always remember that. Uh, again, I do want to take a moment, and and I think we have to acknowledge how classy uh, Tony Bennett was, giving credit to UMBC and recognizing what, what their program did. And he gave them credit because they balled out. But here, here's a line from him. And I wish I just had the video, but I'll just read it out. And he was talking about the loss uh, to UMBC, of course, and the life lessons that are in there. And he said, quote, you'll remember this. It will sting. Maybe a one seed will, will get beat again. Maybe not. Maybe we'll be the only number one seed to ever lose. It's life. It goes on. We'll have to get past that. For some reason, this is what we've got to deal with, and my job now will be to say, hey, how do we bounce back, our players and all that? But a life lesson is sitting there about defining yourself by maybe not what the world says, but there's other things that matter, and then you get back to it. Phenomenal year. Can't take away an ACC championship. Can't take away the most wins. Can't take away an ACC conference tournament. And can't take away so far being the first number one seed to get beat and lose. That one's, yeah, I mean, that's true. You <laughs> can't take that one away. I don't yeah. think they wanted to own that one, but can't take that away. He said, quote, I grew up, I played at Wisconsin, Green Bay, the hyphenated schools. I know how good they are. Said it yesterday. Good basketball, and I love this line. Good basketball knows no divisions or limits or qualities, and they played. All that matters is who plays best. They earn their right to play in this tournament. They earn their right to move on. It's who played the best for 40 minutes, and they absolutely did. Won't take away from some of the things, but it certainly stings. You know, ask me that maybe next year or another time. We'll see. But he handled it gracefully. I watched his post-game short interview and then the post-game presser. You know, and and that's, if you're going to eat it, you know, you know the, the competitive fire is raging out. But being able to lose with some grace and humility is a good quality. Um, it is. And whether you take, you know, Bayheim's vantage point or that, that kind of reaction from Bennett, I, I think that's important, man. I, I really do think that's important. <laughs> side note, side note. Did you hear the post game with Ty Jerome where somebody had asked him about the 16 seat thing? I heard something yeah. and he had. So he was a little annoyed. Well, I mean, I think anybody asked this question in, in the heat of the moment would have been a, a little bit. Like, seriously, you asked me that? I'm just going to play the audio for you. Were you aware that a, a 16 had never won before? Um, I think everyone's aware of that. Uh, yeah, thanks for bringing that up again. But, uh, yeah, I was aware of it. <laughs> he just, like, rolls his eyes like, yes, we were aware that <laughs> a 16 had never won. <laughs> thanks, dude. <laughs> thanks, guy. By, by the way, thanks, this guy. is for Randy and yeah. Matt. I brought up during the tweet storm that was this game that mm-hmm. at some point Paul Heyman needs to come out and introduce them. He's a he's a wrestling guy. Nice. And uh, he needs to be like, they are the one. It went 35 and one. <laughs> UMBC. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. So, well, a couple a couple of things on this game. And the Twitter, the Twitter part was very fun. And, uh, you know, I, I think – we were having a grand old time in the sports brew chat and I had a lot of fun on Twitter and I tweeted at them a couple of times and you know, I, I had, uh, I had some fun with that. Um, and they're, they're, the guy that was running their, their Twitter account was, was having a, having a field day as well. They did a great job and he did a great job with that. 
coincidentally, uh, for Mark more than anybody, there were a few people that did throw down some money on this game. Uh, number one, that's bold. Darren Ravel had a tweet. He said, the biggest uh, biggest betting winner so far appears to be a better at CG Technology. You took an $800 money line bet on UMBC, cashed out to the tune of $16,000. Mm. Woo! Woo! Not Dang. bad. Not bad, buddy. But that was a bold move, dropping 800 on that one. But <laughs> anyway, betting, betting aside, uh, UMBC Athletics, man, they were having a field day. Having a field day. And I loved, occasionally, Twitter can be like this minefield of crap. And then occasionally Twitter delivers something that is just so fun. <laughs> and just, by the way, is it me or have we not seen a lot of crying Jordans in the uh, the Twitter sphere this year? <laughs> I feel like there hasn't been like much of anything in the in the land of crying Jordans. Um, uh, North when UNC lost, there were yes. a couple. Well, that that one, of course. But I mean, in, you know, crying Jordan. Had, I, I think I think the crying Jordan has kind of slowed down a little bit. I think I think once you get to some of the bigger games, you might see more of those. Maybe. You know, Sweet Sixteen, Elite Eight, Final Four. You'll see a, probably a few more of those. You know what happened? But... People just didn't have the the memes ready. They hadn't created them yet. You know what I'm saying? You know, <laughs> maybe uh, so. Yeah, maybe, maybe. And, Go ahead. I mean, Michael Jordan with the uh, Miami turnover chain would probably have been awesome for the Miami loss. Oh, that would have been sweet. That, that would have been sweet. That would have been, been awesome. But uh, UMBC. And who knows? Maybe it is out there. But uh, we may have just missed it. Maybe it got buried in my in my Twitter news feed with all the UMBC <laughs> stuff. I don't know. Entirely possible. <laughs> but uh, you know, look, man, that, that it was just a field. It was fun following them. It was just a lot of good content, and you could tell that people on Twitter were having a great time with them. I, I do love how uh, Seth Davis had a tweet. He just said, Virginia, period, Sharpie, period. And so at UMBC, the beginning of that game. At the beginning of the game. And so UMBC Athletics said, Seth, it's 5-2. <laughs> you know. And uh, it's, it's still going. You see it, see the stuff, and it's like they're talking about, hey, look, man, at the half, it's 21-21. This is fun. Y'all having fun? We're having fun. Just kind of lighthearted, just kind of running with it. Uh, but then you see, like, um, some people tweeting at UVA Hoops, like, what's going on, blah, blah, blah. And so, the, the you know, UMBC Athletics is like, we won 24 games in a conference title. It's not like we're a YMCA team, dude. <laughs> Once again, because people are just giving them crap, once again, we won 24 games and have a good defense, but we're just a commuter school, right? <laughs> I like this one. The dictionary defines a large aggregate of people united by common descent, history, culture, or language inhabiting a particular country or territory. 5K is a large amount, dude. You know, I mean, just people because they were giving them crap about the size of the schools and blah, blah, blah. You know, again, just just I enjoyed it. They clearly they clearly had fun. That the Twitter account had fun, the team had fun, and you know it was just an enjoyable follow. I like how one person tweeted at them: "Applications at UMBC Athletics are about to go up four hundred percent." And the dude was like, <laughs> "The dude was like, woo, new buildings!" You know, I mean, just it was just fun. Come on, guys, you crashed our dang website. Our IT people want to watch the game too. Please form an orderly line. I mean, the whole thing was was just fun. The whole thing was it just was. fun. It was. Yeah. You know, it, it was a good time. So hopefully they give that dude a raise. <laughs> Seriously, yes. Because <laughs> he handled that. He handled that perfectly well. I still believe that the internet and the vast expanse of the interwebs, somebody out there needs to make a one shining moment almost 
video almost completely dedicated to that UVA UMBC game. Oh, I'm sure somebody you know, has. Maybe there win. has. Uh, but I think that would be absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, the other thing I was joking around, and maybe this is kind of a regional joke, but uh, that night in that game, I was like, yo, man, somebody just go ahead and throw a tarp on all of Charlottesville. <laughs> just go ahead and tarp the whole city, man. It's done, son. It's done. I mean, so. at that night, police shouldn't even pull people over for DUIs because, goodness gracious, they they just, oh. You're a UV that, fan? Please, please, carry on. Drown, yeah, just, drown your sorrows. We'll <laughs> just walk home. Drown your sorrows. Yeah, I, I'm sure if, uh, quite a few people, you know. I mean, look, let's be honest. There's some, there's a strong alcohol team at UVA, bro. <laughs> I mean, we, we love the 151. Don't get we me do. wrong. We do, we do, but just just domination, just domination. And you know, I, I think Al Michaels said it best. Let's be real. So, Randy, I think you had uh, some other tweet pulled aside for uh, UMBC. Yeah, I, I kind of uh, feel this is like my favorite out of all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> UCF, you know, being, you know. National the, the champs, man. National champs. Yeah, you know, undefeated national champs, coming, dude. You know, coming out and saying, amazing what happens when an underdog, quotes dog, gets a fair shot in an extended play, expanded playoff. Yep. UMBC, coming from the national champions, this means a lot. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Uh, that's, that's pretty awesome. fantastic. That's pretty fantastic. You know, it's perhaps one of the best, one of the best examples of just the, what the insanity of the tournament can be. And this has really been, you know, think back to the Super Bowl and the whole underdog thing that the Eagles ran with, you know, hungry dogs got to eat and all that kind of stuff. What a great example of, of a team rising up to the moment and just playing out of their skulls. Um, and, and, and just another team just taking it in the chin, just, we got a bunch of it, but that one was, that one was special. Sorry for waking you up, Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry for waking you up. By the way, I did text, um, my mother-in-law about halfway through the second quarter and I was like, or second half, excuse me. And I said, Lord have mercy. What's going on? I never heard back. <laughs> Never heard back. Never heard back. She, she probably couldn't tell whether you were being snarky or not. Well, I wasn't being snarky. I, I don't. I don't do that with 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 the mil man. I don't drop the snark on her. But uh, I felt bad for him because like they took a nap so they could stay up and watch that game because it was on late. And I was like. Y'all should have just gone back to sleep, man. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all should just go back to sleep, dude. Nancy, just go back to sleep. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah, forget it. It's over. It's over, man. It's over. It's done. It's done, son. It's done, son. But uh, kudos to the Retrievers, man. A golden moment for them. Golden moment for them. Obviously, there's a lot, a lot of big moments, a lot of big games, but I think we have to give some dap to 11 uh, seed Loyola Chicago. For a team to do what they did and essentially win back-to-back games with walk-off, game-ending kind of deals, uh, just just incredible. Um, here's the here's the uh, as they stuck it to six seed Miami, sixty-four, sixty-two, last second three-pointer by Dante Ingram, man.
that one was so fantastic. Absolutely. So fantastic. And that's when we got introduced to Sister Jean, buddy. Yes, sir. Yeah, man. I like how uh, people said, like, she's the, the new, the new like, hero of March Madness. Did you know she has Dude, a bobblehead? I had no idea. She has a bobblehead. There's, act- there's also a petition. Uh, Loyola fans have a petition trying to get her on the Ellen show. Oh, I'm, I, dude, she'll get on there. Yeah, well, I would say so. They, I would imagine. I they, mean, come on. They had a, a, a their original goal was like 500 signatures, and uh, they blew past that within like the first 24 hours, man. So 24, I took that long. Well, I'm sure by the I time they was like 24 minutes. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure by the time we got through their second game, I'm sure that one's blown all cons up. Oh, but yeah, I love this. Uh, I love this. Uh, they were interviewing Sister Jean. And somebody was asking her what it was. How does it feel to be a national celebrity? Here's here's her uh, here's her retort. <laughs> Maybe if I could correct you, international. <laughs> because they told me I'm appearing in Mexico and in Great Britain. <laughs> Let me correct you, international celebrity. <laughs> oh my gosh, dude, she's a hoot, man. She's she funny. Is. She's funny. She's like she's like everybody's like random like funny grandma. You know what I'm saying? Like that <laughs> that kind of deal. You know. But uh, yeah, she. And she, I love they they've interviewed her. I believe at, right after both games. Yeah. So they they've had her on both games, and we'll get to it here in a minute. But the same with uh, the the uh, Nevada's uh, Muscleman's daughter. They've had her on a couple of times as well. But goodness gracious, Sister Jean, how how can you bet against Loyola Chicago at this point? I mean, <laughs> well, people I, will. But I, I'm, I'm actually kind of nervous that they're in the South Region with Kentucky, man. So, well, this is where Sister Jean had them winning their first two, and now they're at the oh, point. Yeah, now they're at the point where they've got to, uh, you know, break ranks with her picks, man. They got to break ranks with the picks, dude. She had them losing in the Sweet Sixteen. Oh shoot! I, I just realized it's uh, Sister Jean versus Muscleman's kid. So someone's going home. By the way, is Muscleman going to keep his uh, shirt on the next game? <laughs> I, you know what? I don't know, but he may drop some f bombs as he hits the uh, locker room after a big win. <laughs> nice dumb on button li- on live TV. <laughs> he did it live. Yeah, he did it live. All right, he did it live. I don't. Ha- I don't have that. I mean, it, 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 if you, if, you, if one of you can find it in the sports group chat, by all means, feel free to send it to me because it, it was funny. It, it, was, it was three f bombs as soon as he hit it. Ah, here you go. Thanks, Shannon, for digging up the uh, that little soundbite from Nevada head coach Eric Musselman after that win over Texas. Ooh, locker room live, buddy. This is what you get sometimes. is the final score. Nevada wins its 28th game of the season. so fucking good. What a fucking game, man. Down the whole game. <laughs> Surprised it took him that long to cut away from that. It's called a dump button, y'all. But still like the raw emotion in the locker room. Sometimes that's what you're going to get, dude. But uh, woo, packing a punch there, buddy. We'll do it live. Fuck it. Is the final score. Nevada wins its 28th game of the season. Fucking good. What a fucking game, man. Down the whole game. Yeah. I do think he liked uh, Bill O'Reilly, though. Oh. In the in- Bruh. time. Bruh. Without a doubt, man. Without a doubt. I can't do it. We'll do it live. Okay. 
No. We'll do it live. Fuck it. <laughs> do it live. I can. I'll write it and we'll do it live. Right. Fucking thing sucks. Woo. <laughs> uh, I just saw a picture of Kevin Durant uh, weighing his next decision on going to UMBC. Oh right. yeah, that that was funny. That, that was funny. funny. What was it? The play, the Players Tribune. Is that where you had that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good one. That was a good one, man, for sure. But, yeah, so Sister Jean, man, 98-year-old team chaplain, and uh, she, obviously a lot of people have been riding that. Uh, incidentally, Tennessee radio host, man, Cody McClure, man, F on you. When uh, Loyola Chicago rocked the upset of the, the Vols, McClure sent out a this is now deleted tweet. He basically just said, F Sister Jean <laughs> from everyone. And it's, you know, I mean, he's obviously trying to be funny. He's trying to be funny. Uh, you mad, bro? Yeah, but I think I think it fell a little flat. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, he said it, it felt very flat. Yeah, he said he doesn't regret the joke, but uh, anyway, so people started piling on him for that one. Obviously, he had to respond to that one. Quote, I would issue an apology to Sister Jean if this were ever ever to get back to her. I would hope that she understood it was meant to be nothing more than a joke. I'm not some kind of monster. I mean, who would in their heart hate an elderly nun? Clearly, I don't. <laughs> 98, by the way. 98, bud. Do you know she has her own custom Nikes, man? One shoe says sister. The other shoe says Jean on the back. Had no clue. She has, cu- she has custom Nikes, bro. She's custom fitted. <laughs> she's, she's like, Jesus. She's custom fitted, bro. Like, flat out. I got a couple, like, random things. So, they did have a bobblehead night for her. That That's true. And, and you can find a picture of her with uh, holding up one of her bobbleheads. It's kind of a hoot. So, inside the weight room at Loyola Chicago's Athletic Center, her words, worship, work, and win, are displayed prominently. But uh, there's this other thing that's posted out there. A quote from St. Ignatius of Loyola. Hopefully I pronounced that correctly. That made better point to the power of her personality. Go forth and set the world on fire. Love that one. So here's kind of a hoot. And Shannon, I think you'll appreciate this. So uh, the head coach, man, uh, Moser, when he was hired to revitalize the program, this goes back to 2011. That's when he was hired, right? So he said on the first day that he arrived at his new office, he found a manila folder on his desk. Okay. Inside that folder was a scouting report from Sister Jean on the strengths and weaknesses of each player on the team. <laughs> I mean, for real, dude. This woman loves that team, bro. That, loves that team. That may be the most awesome thing I've ever heard in my life. Dude, what a hoot, dude. What an absolute hoot. Yeah, and, and this was an article in the uh, New York Times. It, said, it says, The scouting reports haven't stopped. Day after day, season after season, Sister Jean pours over box scores of Loyola's upcoming opponents, weighing what she finds against her insider's knowledge of Loyola's players. She is careful to note the smallest of details, which she conveys when she stands in the huddle to pray with her arms wrapped around players' waists. I mean, every year in a the tournament, there's like a feel-good story. And maybe they don't win another game, and that's okay. You know, that this was a great moment for them. You know, the tournament is a classic human interest story. I mean, it really is. It always is. Yeah. You know, it, it always is. There's always some underdog. You know, we had we had the VCU run a few years ago. Every single tournament gives you something. A player, a purpose, a team, a team on a mission, a team that overcomes. Um, and I, I think there's, there's something that it, it's just really to be said for that aspect of the tournament from a, a whether it's 
what sports represent and what they can be for us to the glimpses of true amateurism, which the NCAA struggles with, let's be honest, because yeah. um, they're a money-making machine, <laughs> and they are. Um, but there's still these moments where these smaller schools that aren't part of the, the mega basketball factories come in and they just do something tremendous. And Loyola Chicago, they're one of those teams. By the way, I loved uh, somebody took a picture of her in her wheelchair. She broke her hip. She fell and broke her hip. So that's why she's in a wheelchair. She's trying. She's obviously hoping to travel for the Sweet <clears throat> 16. We'll see if she gets clearance and can make it. Just she'll watch it on TV if she can't go, but I hope she's there. But somebody had this picture of Sister Jean in her wheelchair, and it says "Sister Act Two, Back to Back Wins." <laughs> I mean, just just a hoot, man, just a hoot. I did um, see one of her like dunking. Yeah, the one of her dunking is ridiculous. One of her dunking is ridiculous. Although my other Photoshop was the mm. uh, UMBC Golden Retrievers, and it was like Air Air Bud. Bud. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff, man. The Ramblers. Oh, by the way, we were having a conversation when we were out Thursday at Sports Page. We were having a conversation um, about unique sports mascots. And so Loyola Chicago, I don't know how many teams are named the Ramblers. right? That feels like that's pretty unique. But, but the point of our conversation, and we'll have to revisit this because I'm super curious. We were talking about the like the ratio of teams in a state that have unique nicknames. And so Virginia, you've got the University of Richmond Spiders. And I'm not aware of another Spiders team. Maybe there is, but Spiders is pretty unique. you got the Radford Highlanders, the Virginia Tech Hokies, the JMU Dukes. You know what I mean? Like Virginia has a whole bunch of like fairly unique or at least uncommon uh, sports mascots. And, and you know what I mean? It, it's yeah. I, I think it's super interesting. And I don't know how many other teams are nicknamed the Ramblers. I mean, Georgia Tech's the Ramblin' Rex, right? But uh, not officially. That's I just mean, like, D-Stats uh, team is the Gamblers, but that's different. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. So, anyway. Well, Shannon, um, actually, I tell you what. I tell you what. Uh, Randy, I, we meant to get to Syracuse a little bit. So, let's tie up anything with Loyola Chicago and UVA. And then we'll talk about Syracuse for a minute and bounce around to other things, favorite moments or whatever from the tournament. Randy, I, I tell you at this point, what do you take away from what Syracuse has done so far? And, I, you know, I, guys, I'd love to get together for the Duke-Syracuse game, but I'm taking Friday off for the fifth uh, wedding anniversary with the wife. So I'm not going to catch up with y'all. I hate to be the bearer of bad. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. Right, I apologize uh, in advance. It's quite, it's quite yeah, all right. But apologize about there, bro. Oh, well, I'm exactly. being sarcastic. I'm I'm not apologizing at all because, quite frankly, <laughs> if I ditch my wife on our anniversary to go watch basketball with y'all, how do you fuck that up? <laughs> how do you fuck that up? I know better, dude. I didn't- to this podcast thinking that if you ever did that you know like no i i know better than that man no i might be joining happened we'd be like hey where did justin go i might have seen him in a while i might be joining stephen hawking in the space force you know what i'm saying like <laughs> i know better than that I, I, know be- I know better i know better no <laughs> oh are you gonna drop that on roy williams Aww. Is that the video? 
<laughs> hey, Duke and Kentucky fans, man. I know. No love I know. Cost. I know. I know. Oh, you actually, I've got another soundbite from the end of that uh, UNC Texas A&M game uh, on the UNC sideline. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying. Let me answer that. You know, that is an absolute crock of <laughs> You know, you people in the news media, all of you uh, dwell on some negative piece of like that. And I don't know how Steve feels about it, but it just and you don't have to bleep one single word of this. <laughs> oh, no. I, I, I got to send you a quick link uh-huh. because I've got a uh, Bob Knight used to coach Texas Tech. back. Yes, in the he day. did. Yes, he did. And, you know, he has there is a uh, speech to help pump up um, <laughs> Texas I've, Tech about going against Purdue. I have another speech uh, dedicated to uh, Roy Williams and UNC this year. Well, I'm here to tell you that you're probably going to find out as you go out there that you're not going to amount to jack squat. (laughs) (laughs) That's harsh, man. That's harsh. Lord knows Duke better not go down to Syracuse. We're all here back from you guys. Anger. (laughs) (laughs) I I know how that's going to go. Stop it. You like discipline. You son of a bitch. I'm well aware because y'all are assholes. And Shannon's a Kentucky fan, so I've already dropped a Christian Leitner shoe print t-shirt on him. Don't worry. (laughs) He'll have no problem busting my nuts if if that goes down. The Bob Knight uh, speech for Texas Tech is in the brew chat. Oh, God. Here, hold you, on. You've heard it before. Oh, I, yeah, you know I have. Oh, you gotta play it, dude. I'm pulling it up, mate. Can you get get? Can you give a brother a second here? <laughs> Want to play? Then I'm getting the fuck out of here. I mean, if you're not going to recover, Greg Graham, if you're just going to let him drive by it, if the rest of you are going to let him catch the ball outside the three second lane and drive all the way in here without one guy challenging him. Then I'm leaving and you fucking guys will run till you can't even suffer. Now hey, I'm tired of this shit. I'm sick and fucking tired of an eight and ten record. I'm fucking tired of losing to Purdue. It's a, I can't do it. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. I'm not here to fuck around this. Do week. it live. I'll write it and we'll do it live. Right. Fucking thing sucks. Now you may be, but I'm not. Feel. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Woo. 
Buddy. So there you go, Texas Tech. There's your uh, halftime speech right there. Yeah. Or your pregame speech at this point. Lord have mercy. He is sick and tired of losing to Purdue. Bro. Man, that guy, that guy was a piece of work, wasn't he? Oh, my gosh, dude. <laughs> Seriously, dude. Come on, Coach Knight. Dude, dude, look. You just look. gotta shake that shake off that eight and ten record. Dude, sorry, I, I stole your thunder. Sorry. No, it's okay, man. I was just gonna say there, like, there's so many upsets in the tournament this weekend. I feel like it's totally like uh, Friday mode. You got knocked the fuck out, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's a good call. That's a great right? reference right there. Oh, hey, hey, Xavier. You got knocked the fuck out, man. I knocked the fuck out, man. Hey, UNC. You got knocked the fuck out, man. <laughs> Hey, UVA. You got knocked the fuck out, man. <laughs> it's like, hey, state of Ohio. I mean. <laughs> City of Cincinnati. Hey, Cincinnati. You got knocked the fuck out, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Arizona. You got knocked the fuck out, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Michigan State. You got knocked the fuck out, man. <laughs> Off-season program right there. Mm-hmm. Off-season program getting fat and sassy. That's right. Holy moly. Sister Jean. Whew. Sister Jean, what are you going to do if Loyola wins it all? She, she might get fat and sassy, dude. Oh, on Ellen, that that would be that would be good. Hey, for everybody whose bracket is crap and you know you're still hanging on, it's still real to me, damn it. We know, <laughs> we, we know. Getting <laughs> desserts and just get all fat and sassy, get all fat and sassy, get all fat and sassy. <laughs> that woman kind of looks like Whitfield's mom, dude. Not. <laughs> Like it, like it, if I if I imagine his birth mother, like I can, she totally looks like her. Just get all fat and sassy. Get all fat and sassy. <laughs> That's cold, man. That's cold. I think we're all going to hell for that one. Nah. Unless being saved, I don't know. Sorry, Whitfield. Sorry, bro. You got knocked the fuck out, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's still real to me, damn it. We know. It's okay. Oh, so my gosh. It's going to break free of the Sweet 16 and make it to the Final Four. Oh, my Lord. Somewhere. Oh, don't tell me I lost Ariana Grande. Oh, there you go. Hey.
What a mess. <laughs> what a mess. <laughs> oh, anyway. Space Force. Oh, speaking of Let It Go, uh, did you guys see there was a um, there was a dude dressed up in drag as Elsa that freed a Boston police wagon that was stuck yes. in the snow? Yes. Oh, that was that was a great video, That's man. Phenomenal. Oh yes. my god! So this dude is out there helping to push this thing, and all these people are just cheering for this dude dressed up as Elsa. Uh, Elsa's out there, and this this bus wagon, paddy wagon. I don't know what the hell that thing was. Is stuck in the snow, and Elsa, the the Elsa just hikes up her gown to get a better angle, and totally helps get that sucker going, man. Oh Lord, I thought what a hoot, what an absolute hoot. Uh, bar patrons were all hooping and hollering, and it was a dude, Jason Triplett, was the guy's name, told a lawyer uh, who told the Globe he bought the costume last year and wore it, wore it out to the bar as a gag, and so in the video, patrons are screaming. Come on, Elsa! Let him go! <laughs> and I was like, yo, if there was ever something that needed to be up there for Shannon, dude, it is totally... It is, I mean, how great is that, man? Let, let's hope Elsa drank free for the rest of the night. Yeah. Uh, That's what I have to do when we finish this uh, episode of the, of the podcast. I'm going to have to let my bladder go. <laughs> Just a heads up, man. Whew. Anyway. All right. Randy, let's rewind real quick. Uh, we, we keep trying to get to Syracuse, and then we keep going <laughs> to other areas. So um, I know you've enjoyed the run, but uh, realistically, um, what kind of satisfaction? What do you take out of what Syracuse has accomplished so far in a tournament? I mean, we'll see what happens against Duke. Um, obviously, I know you're you're rooting for them. I'm pulling for the Blue Devils. Shannon says, "Who the hell cares? Let, let can't both of y'all tie and lose at once and just go away." Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like, what do you take away from the tournament so far uh, for the Orange? And uh, quite frankly, what are your expectations going forward? Basically, what I've seen so far is a team that just has a never say die attitude. It doesn't seem to the the, sh- the the stage is just not too big for what this team is trying to do. Yeah, uh, the the defense has been phenomenal. I mean, you're you're talking about keeping two relatively high scoring teams. I mean, in the low fifties for their for scoring because I think TCU is averaging well over fifty two points during the regular season, mm-hmm. and obviously Michigan State. Well, it's Michigan State. I mean, what what you know? It's just one of those teams that usually. You know, when this time time year rolls around, they're usually one of the favorites to win it all, regardless well, of where they're. Yeah, seated. they're they're a good tournament team. So, but given the fact that, granted, there's been some shooting woes offensively. You know, we got being being killed. Re, you know, in the rebound department, but defensively, uh, this team is doing exactly everything it needs to do, and they're keeping every they're keeping themselves in the game. They're not shooting themselves in the foot. But I also attribute that to the fact that they're playing against teams that aren't very familiar with their style. Yeah. Now, given that Duke <laughs> and Syracuse have got themselves a little bit of a rivalry going now, that since Syracuse joined the ACC, it's still weird to think Syracuse is in the ACC, dude. It's still strange to me. <laughs> Trust me, it is to me as well. <laughs> it's still it's, weird. It's, I mean, you've got two of the greatest head coaches of all time. Going head to head in the NCAA tournament. I mean, how can you go wrong there? Yeah. 
And it's just going to be one of those things where if Syracuse finds a way to win, I'm all for it. I don't expect them to win. I will hate your face if somehow <laughs> fucking Orange beat you. Dude, Honestly, I will hate you. No, I'm just kidding. I, I seriously we'll laugh don't about expect it, but... them to win just because this is going to be a different type of ball game because of the fam- familiarity both teams have with each other. Yeah, it, it, again, it, for anybody that forgets, you know, Bayheim and Coach K – you know, uh, work the men's, you know, U.S. men's Olympic team together. So the, those guys know each other, and rest assured, they have borrowed information and coaching practices and whatever from each other. And yeah, Duke sees, you know, Syracuse. Now that they're in ACC, Duke not only sees Syracuse a couple, couple times a year, but I think there's a strong possibility Coach K has applied some lessons from old Jimmy Beheim <laughs> onto that defense yeah. playing some zone this year. So it's going to be an interesting matchup. And we'll see what maybe Beheim's taking away from K to go ahead and attack that team as well. Go ahead, Randy. <laughs> yeah, at this point, I'm happy with where the seasons come to. I mean, mm-hmm. the fact that they almost weren't even a first four team. Yeah, <laughs> at this point, I'm I'm very happy. I'm very happy with how this team has come together and how they've matured. Yeah, just so far in the tournament. Uh, <clears throat> obviously, remember the moment the brackets were set. I was like. Shit, freaking Kansas and Michigan State and Duke. What the hell, man? We're screwed. <laughs> and next thing you know, it's like Sweet Sixteen. Okay, Dang. that's a win right there. Yeah, house no. money, baby, house money. Playing with house money. Yeah, I mean, that, that... even if they do manage to get past Duke, I doubt they're getting past Kansas because I'm pretty sure Kansas would be in. Was going to make the Elite Eight. So, well, yeah, you Duke's know... a lot better than Kansas, FYI. Well, yeah, we'll see how that shakes out. I mean, I think it, you know it's one of those things where if anybody shoots like Michigan State did against Syracuse, it's going to be a grinder. You know, I mean, uh, Michigan State had some opportunities and they just shot fugly as hell, dude. Um, I don't have the the raw numbers in front of me, but uh, fugly. Yeah, well, at fugly. one point, Michigan State was like 0 for 13 on shots near oh, the end of the game. It was it was atrocious. It was You're atrocious. Ready? Yeah, what you got? They, they were uh, Michigan State against uh, the Cubs. They were 8 of 37 from 3. Oh. 17 oh. of 67 overall on field goal attempts. Oh, my God. 17 oh. of 60 freaking 7. That's ugly. Eight, uh, That's 11 ugly. to 16 at the free throw line, but 25% overall from the game. I mean, they crushed Syracuse on the boards. Like, it was over 20 rebounds they yeah. crushed them on. So, it's how they got so many shots off. But, dude, it's not the zone that gets teams, it's mm-hmm. the length of those players, like how tall they are, mm-hmm. how long the arms are. It's kind of a matchup zone. So, right. And the thing is, is like Duke's players have the length to not only match that zone, but are a little bit bigger than that zone. Yeah. So I I think the X factor for Duke in that game will be Wendell Carter. I mean, look, <laughs> what's uh, what, shoot, I'm, now I'm having a big old brain fart. What's big man's name? Bagley? Justin? Bagley. Marvin Bagley III. Like, he'll get his... I Look, think Wendell Carter will be the X factor. Grayson Allen's going to sweep the leg. Somebody else is going to step up, bro. I'm just telling you right now. <laughs> well, man, Grayson Allen's going to try to trip somebody. Hashtag sweep the leg, dude. Go for it. Cobra Kai, sweep the leg. Do it. Uh. By the way, is anybody looking forward to that 
a Karate Kid reboot show. Is, is that on Netflix? I mean, why not? I think, I think so. Well, what so, the hell? I mean, why not? Why not? What the hell? I hope they make it fun. Yeah. Duke, look, I know people like to hate on Grace now, and I totally get it. I totally understand. He's a hateable player. Look, and... even Christian Leitner hates Grace <laughs> now. Christian Lehner says he would totally chest stomp Grace Allen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I would almost believe that, quite honestly. But, uh, you know, Grace Allen is, is, is great at being, like, the bad guy. I mean, he really is. He's great at being, like, the on-court villain. And I, I think he kind of relishes that. Honestly, I think he likes it. Because um, you can see him kind of have a smirk sometimes. You know what I'm saying? He knows. He knows. Uh, but what's great about that is, is people get flustered. And people focus on him. And he's got skills, you know. I mean, I don't know how how he's going to translate as far as the NBA. I mean, you know, whatever. But uh, as far as the collegiate standpoint, I mean, he's got legit skills. I mean, he dude has game, but he also gets into people's heads. And you know, Duke has you know they got talent. Obviously, uh, Bagley's a beast. And let let Grace Nolan be like the hate brigade totally fine getting into somebody's head and just help kind of set other people up i'm game for that man i'm game for that <laughs> shannon i still really want kentucky duke i would love it <laughs> i i would absolutely welcome it i think it would be great i, I think it would be great for the game, um, game of basketball well i tell you what man let's start wrapping up we need to get out of here um it's, it's after two so uh, we've certainly run over our allotted time um, so let's let's start hitting on like some favorites. And Rain, if you got a ripcord, it's totally cool. Go ahead and do that. It's up to you. If you want to run with the, the next couple of minutes, that's fine too. But some of our favorite moments, or most hated moments, whatever from the tournament, whether it's a shot of the day or a game of the day, or well, really the weekend, I suppose, is probably the way to look at it. One thing I will say I thought was fantastic, uh, Jordan Poole obviously hitting the last second shot to uh, send uh, Michigan into the Sweet 16. Look, that was pretty ridiculous. Do you think that guy even got uh, actually saw the damn basket when he threw that thing up? I, he didn't. He saw his teammates running, and he didn't want to get tackled, so he started running so that he wouldn't get tackled. And then he eventually just said, okay, whatever. Yeah, there you go. And, that, and that's actually his thought process. That was actually his thought because he just didn't want to get like just on the bottom of the pile and well, you know, obviously uh, Rob Gray and Houston had been a pretty fantastic story in their own right. Oh, okay. Gosh, I mean, they yes. had been. They had been. They had been. They had been. But we hadn't broken out anything Titanic in a while, uh, and I did find the Titanic remix. Oh, thank of, God you did. Oh, of course, man. Of course. <laughs> I thought I'd found it, and I didn't find it. But but I found good. the Titanic remix of Jordan Poole, man, dropping this beast. Here you go. So the pass is going to come from Livers. He rifles it right in front of us to Abdul Rahman at midcourt. Extra pass. How happy was Rich Eisen, by the way? You know what? I bet if you could have got him to run his 40 in a suit right after that game, he would have obliterated. <laughs> he would have obliterated this time, dude. He would have crushed it, man. 
Uh, By the way, my yeah. favorite thing from Jordan Poole hitting that shot was mm-hmm. everybody who tweeted at Jordan Peele. <laughs> yeah. I had <laughs> I had that pulled up because it's so funny, dude. It's so funny. Uh, go ahead, Shannon. That that that's absolutely bar none one of my favorite reactions to that. Go ahead, dude. I, I don't have it. Pulled oh, you don't up. have. I just okay. Remembered that, I yeah. Just remembered so that. Jordan Jordan Peele wrote out. He said, uh, uh, he tweeted out. I want to thank everyone for the congratulatory messages. When you practice your jump shot as much as I have, you just hope one day it'll pay off. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's glorious in its own right. But uh, uh, Jordan Poole actually responded. Given all the stuff that was happening on Twitter, man, uh, Jordan Poole responded. He said, uh, "Laugh out loud! Congrats on the Oscar, big man." Talking about obviously uh, Peel. Uh, congrats on the Oscar, big man. Much deserved. Huge fan of Key and Peel. And Get Out was you know, he just had a little fire thing on there. So uh, that was pretty cool, man. Uh, obviously, some shout outs for each other on that one. But dude, come on, man, get the name right, would you? <laughs> Jordan Poole, Jordan Peele, whatever. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> just, I like that it. Cracks, that cracks me up. That yeah. was, uh, I was just sitting there like, oh, Lord. S- come S- on, guys. Yeah, SB Nation had an article on it as well. and said, uh, quote, just when you think things can't get any better for Jordan Peele, he won an Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay for Get Out. He gets on court for Michigan Houston and delivers a buzzer beater for the Wolverines. <laughs> <laughs> I like how he handled it in stride too. Yeah. He was just like, "Yeah, I work on my jump shot yeah, every day." Yeah, man, you, you have to, man. You have to. By the way, I do have a. I love this footage. This is a, a pool er, peel running back to the locker room. Uh, I just, I love the audio on this. He does not even need to hit the showers, dude. He got sprayed with so much stuff, dude. Just absolutely crazy, absolutely crazy, man. But uh, no, that that was a great moment. That was a great moment. Uh, super enjoyable. Um, also love uh, Nevada coming back from behind to, to knock off Texas. That was pretty sweet. Uh, Team, yeah, yeah, yeah. Buffalo dropping Arizona. We talked about that. That was fantastic. Uh, speaking of Houston. And you know Rob Gray had, a, had just a baller ass night, um, hitting the game winner um, to get uh, Houston past San Diego State. That was pretty beast. That he was thirty nine in that game. Yeah. By the way, oh he had a, he had a monster game, and I think Houston. I'm pretty sure D-Stat took Houston to make a pretty deep run. He um, did. I had Sandy. If if San Diego State had won that game, I would have won the Thursday night money pot that night. So. That that one cost me. Yeah. Did you see where um, Devin Davis, who's the fifth year senior for Houston, uh, he missed some free throws real late mm-hmm. in yeah. that game, and that helped set up Jordan Poole's buzzer beater. Um, but about an hour after the game, Devin Davis actually went back out to the court. The arena was empty, and he just stood at the free throw line by himself. Did you see that? I did. I did. That's that's just one of those where you're just like in your head, you're like. What the hell just happened? Yeah. yeah. Like, like he, he had been baller from the line that entire time, and then all of a sudden he missed three of his last four free throws. Dude, got to make your free throws late, man. If he just Even if he had just hit one of them, that game goes to overtime. Mm-hmm. You know, if he, had, if he had just missed two of four, that game goes to overtime. 
Yeah. But, I mean, and that, that that's rough. I mean, you're fifth-year senior at your last collegiate game. And, and, you know, he wanted the ball. He he wanted to have the chance to put them away. And that's, you know, that's what makes this tournament. It's 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 one and done. And that's, that's what makes it so intriguing because the finality of it. Oh, absolutely. Without a doubt, man. Uh, real quick, while yeah. we're on uh, games, I just wanted to, real quick, Kentucky's win against Davidson was 78-73. Mm-hmm. They went 0-6 from three-point range, which is, which is significant because it broke their streak of 1,047 games with a three-point field goal made in a row. That's crazy, dude. Since November 26 of 1988, Kentucky had hit at least one three-pointer in a game until that game against Davidson where they just they strictly went inside because they had the size advantage. I thought for a moment Davidson might uh, might have a shot there. Dude, I'm telling you. I'm not going like, to lie. Bob McKillop can flat-out coach, and that, that game scared me. It, that game scared me a lot, and the fact they were able to pull that out was mm-hmm. was amazing. So, I, I don't I, so many like casual Kentucky fans were like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Like they just don't realize how good of a coach that guy is. I yeah. mean, they just don't. We live in the A10 area, so we understand that, right? Like not all everybody that doesn't live here knows that. Goodness gracious. Yeah, look, I do want to play two other sound bites I think are totally critical. Um, oh. Here is, uh, gather your thoughts for whatever you want to say next. But number one, <laughs> here's the first Deontay Ingram game winner for Loyola Chicago. First free throws today. Amazing. Love that one. Onions! Onions! And then, so uh, Dante Ingram gets that one. And then Clayton Cluster, dude, rocks this one. What a name. That is a hell of a name. Yeah. (laughs) So was this Custer's last stand? We'll find out in the Sweet 16. But Clayton Cluster, man, getting a game winner against Tennessee. Here you go. Friendly roll. No timeouts for Tennessee. Bone rises. And the dream is alive. Loyola. Man, Clayton Custer, buddy. Clayton Custer. I had Sister Jean Magic on that one. That was my quotations <laughs> for that. Sister Jean Magic. Sister Jean, baby. Rooting Got on, the man. Friendly roll and Tennessee missed. Yep, yep, yep. For sure. I think I, I think I mispronounced his name a moment ago, and I said Clayton Cluster, but Clayton Cluster, <laughs> my bad, y'all. That's the that's the uh, 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 alcohol talking. <laughs> <laughs> we, we all understand that. Oh man! By the way, I, saw, I thought I saw a blurb, man. Rhode Island coach, man. Um, let me scroll up to that. That's Dan Hurley, right? Yeah, Dan. Dan, don't take the, UConn, right? Don't take the pit job, bro. D- just don't don't do it. I saw he was looking at UConn. I, UConn's one thing. Pitt, don't do that. 
<laughs> that's don't the, go there. That's don't the, go there. Yo, yo, that's the pit of misery. Dilly, dilly. Don't, don't, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that, bro. Don't do that. Dude, that, that's like downgrading. Yeah, don't like, don't do that, man. No. <laughs> I'm not even sure UConn's an upgrade from Rhode Island uh, at this point. Let's see. Where's that other one, man? There's one where it was messed up. Oh, here it is. This is the one. Miles Powell's meaningless. I like that. Meaningless three-pointer to cut Kansas's lead from seven to four is a shot that Jayhawks uh -huh. full game. And yep. second half betters will never forget. Oh, this was the classic bad beats. Yep. Miles Powell with Seton Hall down 83-76, hit a running three at the buzzer. It meant that the final score was 83-79, to meaning that Seton Hall covered the four and a half points that Kansas was favored by. It also <laughs> meant that the Pirates covered the second half line, and Seton Hall's wild last-minute rally meant that this game also hit the over. Oh, that was like all kinds of a moosing to remember. Holy moly, D-Stat would have been proud, except he was yeah, too busy being passed out or pooping or something he was doing. I'm moosing to remember. <laughs> it's a moosing <laughs> to remember, buddy. That That's exactly what that was, man. A moosing to remember. Oh, here's a fun soundbite for you. Cincinnati head coach uh, Mick Cronin, man, he was asked this is a stupid question in the moment. Somebody asked him if a loss like this would keep him awake at night. Here you go. Aw, oh, come on, audio. Don't tell me you're jacked up. Let me try that again. Come on, for the win. Load up. All right, well, clearly that's not going to load, so that's okay. So here's the deal. So the reporter goes, obviously talking about the loss, is it something that keeps you awake? How long does it bother you? And Cronin's like, I didn't go to sleep yet. Did you come up with that question by yourself? <laughs> Keep me awake. I'm standing here. You call me tomorrow, and I'll tell you if it keeps me awake tonight. I answered your question. You asked me if it kept me awake. I haven't been asleep yet. Come on, man. You kidding me? <laughs> Right, I mean, to be fair, I mean, it was the night of, and he hadn't been asleep yet. So I totally get the point. But, dude, I mean, you know, Cronin was clearly agitated. No doubt about that. Now, Cronin may not have been asleep yet, but I can tell you quite clearly that this Cincinnati loss is not making Randy lose any sleep at night. Here's a live look in and a little listen. What's up, giggity? <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. He's out. <laughs> <laughs> Randy's out, buddy. Randy's out. <laughs> Pretty damn close. Randy, are you going to go Spice Girls? <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess it's probably about that time for me. So No, it's and all good, it's man. Just, we we are. I mean, we're wrapping up anyway. So it's it's all good. That was just really funny. I can't believe the audio doesn't work, man. That's super disappointing. I listened, <laughs> I listened to that earlier. Randy started snoring. I'm like, is that the audio or is yeah, that something? No, that's probably about accurate. Uh, by the way, this at least only Justin left to be caught on audio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not happening tonight though. I'm pretty wired. I'm I'm still pretty awake. Uh, by the way, uh, late at the end of the podcast, when people are either drunk or passed out. Uh, like Randy, here comes uh, UConn setting scoring records in their first round game of the uh, women's. And Mark, this update's for you because we know you love betting on the women's basketball. <laughs> the Huskies were up with UConn. The Huskies were up fifty-five to nineteen at the end of the first quarter against St. Francis of Pennsylvania. 
those 55 points were an NCAA tournament record. They held a 94-31 lead at the half, another NCAA tournament record, and held on to win 140-52. to The 140 points that uh, Gino Ariemo's team scored was also an NCAA record, and the 88 points that they won by was one point short of an NCAA tournament record, 89 points that was set by Baylor over a win or in a win over Texas Southern last season. There was a uh, somebody, at, I saw it floating on my uh, Facebook news feed, and so one random person uh, commented, and he's like, I'll do the obligatory comment here just so somebody actually posts something on the story, and it's nobody cares about women's college basketball and I was like oh that's harsh <laughs> but it does kind of get lost fair or not it does kind of get lost in the, the other tournament stuff well, right now let, let's be honest here this happened the day after UMBC defeated Virginia yeah so this happened on Saturday right after yeah. that happened so you know Gino was probably like hey look you saw what just happened here you can't let that happen here nope can't do it look UConn held on to win. Held uh, 88. On. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kudos, by the way, to Duke for uh, taking out Rhode Island. Thanks, guys, for not having, not making me sweat anything out like uh, a whole bunch of other teams. Good job showing up. Uh, keep beating ass. Feel free to beat the brakes off of, uh, I mean, uh, have a tight, contested game against Syracuse. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag. Just saying, but uh, look, man, no, a hell of an opening, hell of an opening weekend. I hope the Sweet Sixteen can. Uh, we won't have the same vibe of games, but if the, if the Sweet Sixteen lives up to the drama of the opening weekend, we got a lot of fun in front of us, man. Yes, um, Shannon, just out of curiosity, uh, do you have any particular polls, favorites, angles, storylines, anything you're looking for for the Sweet Sixteen? Ah man, I'm just uh, you know, like I said, the sister Jean and Muscleman's daughter, yeah, type of thing. You know that that they've been interviewed on CBS each time they've been on TV. But you know, uh, somehow, some way, my Final Four is somehow still intact. So I will still roll with my Kentucky team. I will still roll with Michigan. Although I'm not feeling too good against Texas A&M at this point. No, Texas A&M uh, stepped up, man. My favorite game for the uh, Sweet 16 is Villanova, West Virginia. I think that's just going to be a freaking dogfight. I, I love it. You know, Huggy Bear and um, Jay Wright, such a contrast right there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I do like Villanova coming out of the East, Michigan the West, and I do like Duke to come out of the Midwest. Yeah. Uh, you know, just Syracuse is just. It is a dogfight every time that team is in there. I just, I just think Duke's got a little too much offensive firepower. That's fair uh, for them. Uh, Clemson is my most intriguing team because, dude, how are they up like forty? Was it forty-one? Oh my God, Auburn. I thought I had Charleston beating Auburn. So, I know. but I mean, Clemson I, I just had, dropping the I had hammer no on them, dude belief in Auburn whatsoever I, I was foolish to not have belief in Clemson so Kansas uh better not mess around with Clemson no, but <laughs> no. I, I, I do like Duke out of that Midwest yeah. and uh you know I'll just leave it at that for right now I'll just go with my 
original Final Four teams and just kind of hope that comes to fruition. Yeah. Loyola, Chicago versus Nevada should be fun. You think about what Loyola, Loyola has done and then what Nevada has done. That could be a super compelling matchup, you know? Um, I think that but I tell you, Kansas State versus Kentucky, if K-State plays some ugly ball like they did, I think Kentucky just waxes the floor with them. Um, yeah. That's a personal opinion. They they got to play a much better game against Kentucky to have a shot. Texas A&M versus Michigan, that should be really good. I, I think I slightly lean towards Michigan in that. Uh, they've, they've got some chutzpah, if you will, you know what I mean, uh, in the tourney. And, and we got a little Richmond connection with Beeline, so – uh, and plus, I love, I love to hear Rich Eisen have some satisfaction. Plus, he can they can get their heart broken a little bit later in the tournament. And you know, we have to give Florida State a little bit of love uh, for what they did to, to you know take care of Xavier. Um, they deserve some credit uh, for that, especially after they lost by twenty five last year yeah. to Xavier the same you know. weekend. So, and, and they overcame a twelve point deficit in the last ten minutes. Man, that there was some knuckle grinding in that game to get to mm-hmm. get that done. Um, and obviously both uh, Xavier and Cincinnati blew some leads late uh, in their games. But uh, good for Florida State. We'll see how that holds up. But, uh, you know, I don't particularly have a dog in the fight with FSU or Gonzaga. Yeah, I'm open to either way. Uh, Clemson, Kansas, you know, I'm hoping that's a good game. I'm totally fine if, if Clemson t- knocks the Jayhawks out. But uh, maybe old Rock Talk Jayhawk will be strong. Obviously, you know, I'm pulling for Duke against Syracuse. Uh, West Virginia, Villanova, give me Villanova. Um, although I think West Virginia can certainly make them have to work their ass off to earn it. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, Texas Tech, Purdue. I like the Purdue story. I do. Uh, still some concerns with uh, the injury issues with their center. Um, and Texas Tech, it just sounds like a team that uh, there's some nice upside there. We'll see. Uh, again, that's another one where I don't really have a dog in the fight. But uh, I think one of the teams I'm most intrigued by is Texas A&M after just completely debacling UNC. That sounds like a team that uh, I don't want to say underachieved, but just hadn't lived up to the billing early in the year and maybe puts it together in a tournament. Um, and it, I, I think if there was anybody that, uh, you know, if you're an ACC person, which I am, uh, maybe a team that you're not familiar with that's got a, a really high ceiling. It, it, Texas A&M's got a high ceiling, dude. If they play up, they can drop some hammers on some people. So Sweet 16 should be fun, man. Uh, obviously, if, uh, my happiest outcome will be Duke, Duke just kicking everybody's asses. So, <laughs> but, uh, eh, whatever. Give me some good games. Give me some good games, some good storylines, and regardless of what happens, objectively, I'm going to love it either way. So, all right, gentlemen. Well, let's wrap up and get out of here. Oh, hey, Mark. How you doing? No, I'm just kidding, man. I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 I'm just playing. No, uh, we'll see who the next one shining, you know, which, which team earns a little, you know, little moment in one shining moment, if you will. There will be more. They're, they're, yeah, one shiny moment's going to throughout the remix that took dude, about eight to ten minutes for this yeah, season. They might need like burning. one shiny moment part one and part duh. Part duh will have Charlie Sheen in it just for good measure and some tiger blood, yeah. I guess. But look, look, y'all can totally get fat and sassy with one shiny moment this year. I'm just letting you know. Then just get all fat and sassy. Yeah, it's totally cool, y'all. But look, thanks for uh, you know joining in and having a little fun with us tonight. We probably got a little saucy late in this podcast, but hey, you know, sports brew happens. What are you going to do? <laughs> Don't worry. Rest assured, all of us, by the time the morning rolls around, yes, sir, dude.
we will shake it off. Because we're champs and we're pros. Woohoo! Oh, Lord. Fun night, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for catching up. And uh, look, everybody else, man, enjoy the basketball. Enjoy the Sweet 16. I wish your team well, unless they're playing my team or Ch perhaps Shannon's team. Unfortunately, I can't wish uh, Randy <laughs> any luck at all because it's Syracuse. <laughs> I can't do it. 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 Can't but do if it. you could turn back time. I'd give you UVA an assist, I think. <laughs> Not UNC. They they can they can keep that L. Take that L. Yeah, they can take that L, man. Anyway, all kidding aside. No, it's fun to catch up. As always, thanks for everybody for tuning in and listening and having a little bit of fun with us. If you love sports, if you love brew, you should be having a good time. If you didn't have a, a frosty or a tasty beverage. That's on you, man. Next time, you got to pop the tops on a cold one, dude. Go ahead and kick back, relax, have a little fun with us, and enjoy your beverage along the way. Uh, as always, you can find us on uh, our home feed on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, LiveSportsCaster.com, the Google Play Store, all over the place, man. Keywords, sports, and brew. Two of our favorite things. You know what? That's our One China Moment video. They just say, are you at the bar? I think that's what he said, man. We, we may have to redo the lyrics for the sports brew next we week. We might. One shining bar? We're drunk all the time. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We'll work on it. We'll think about that. We'll think about that. But uh, look, all kidding aside, man, uh, again, enjoy the games. Have fun this week. And uh, best of luck to everybody. Enjoy the tournament. Hopefully we have. Hopefully the Sweet 16 lives up to the madness that was the opening rounds. Uh, if it does, we're in for some great basketball. Whatever the outcomes may be, we'll have a good time with it. Uh, and who knows, maybe we'll see Sister Jean on, on Ellen and a few more uh, sideline interviews. Uh, but anyway, from all of us, all of you, enjoy the week. And we'll catch you on the flip side. We're the Sports Brew. Yeah. Peace. Peace out, y'all. <laughs> you ain't getting this turn till Wednesday, dude. No, I'll turn it over tomorrow. It, it, it's on. So. It's on. Yeah. Two, oh my God, we did two forty-two. Jesus Christ. All right, man. <laughs> we're out. Saying, yeah. It's a monster, dude. Oh man, I don't know about one shiny moment. We may have hit one drunken moment. I think that's entirely yeah, possible. How did we do that? No, the time's not short. We hit the over, bro. <laughs> hey, this is not one charting moment. Hey, we, we, we went Syracuse, UConn. We went six overtimes. Bruh, bruh. Clearly, as far as recording tonight. Man, this podcast is fat and sassy. Sweet Jesus. <laughs> just get all fat and sassy. God bless. Anyway, all right. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna work my ass off to turn this thing over tomorrow. We'll see all how right, we, we'll see how it goes. Anyway, good night now. Yes.
Okay. On that note, all right, gentlemen, go get some rest. Catch you later. Late. Bye. Right, we got drunk. <laughs> 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 and, uh, good night now. <laughs> later, dudes. Bye. See ya.